Yes, hello. I am James Rowland, and today it's the Dublin Art 365. It's AEW Prelude, but I am not alone. I have the pleasure to be joined by the Dublin Art Dan. How you doing, man? Yeah, man, I'm really good. Thank you. I've been, you know, working. Be- you, you're looking in great shape, Dan. Why don't you tell I us am. a little bit about gym? So you've been going to the gym recently. I have, yes. I joined a couple of months ago and starting to get right into it and hoping to have a WNR session at the gym. Well, you've always been a Tommy Dreamer now. You, you know, vibes, WWE, you know, like they've kind of not differentiated of Warrant being their own brand, their own wrestlers, to knock off WWE at the moment. Well, let's see if they can get any better, because obviously we've got five episodes of AEW Dynamite to catch up on. But first and foremost, a bit of news. News! And the third annual Double or Nothing has posted according to a report from Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. The report states that Double or Nothing... That would only... Yeah, and with the, uh, uh, with the full capacity at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, AEW sold about 4,700 tickets to the tune of about $300,000, $1,000 going towards merchandise at the venue. And, and I would say something quite interesting because uh, Impact Wrestling or TNA back in the day uh, were, were saying that what they were thriving on was the per head of each um, person or each fan there. So basically, you were hoping that a fan would go. So say if it's 4,000 tickets, say, then they would hope they'll spend either 20 or $30 on merchandise, and then that would buck it up. And at some points during that time, it was making more money than WWE. Obviously, WWE had like 20,000 people with capacity. Uh, but, I mean, when we go to a wrestling event and that, we're always spending the merchandise as well. So that's quite important business, isn't it, you know? Yeah, you know, I don't think we've ever left a wrestling event with less T-shirts and... <laughs> Some signed posters and maybe a signed Rangers shirt by a fan favourite of yours. Oh, always great to see uh, Drew McIntyre. But as far as pay-per-views goes, Double or Nothing accounted for 115,000 pay-per-view buys across all global platforms. If true, it would make it the second most bought pay-per-view in brief history behind only March's Revolution, which got 135,000. Yes, and James. Yeah, well, Rush, who signed to NJPW, was a shot competitor in the Casino Battle Royal at Double or Nothing. But the Cruiserweight champ... Well, the former one has revealed he suffered a serious AC injury in that match. Is that a surprise, Dan? I mean, I know you're not being the biggest fan of Leo Rush throughout his career, but it's sad to see a, a guy's career end in this way, especially after he made his debut. It is, yeah. Certainly, a bit of re- make a shock return to, you know, any company that would have him. Without a doubt, he's still a young man. So let's get on to Dynamite then. So the 4th of June, of course, it's Double or Nothing Fallout. Uh, I decided to give AEW Plus on Fight TV a go. It's a fiver a month, but you can watch it live and available to stream. Uh, I was using Sky, uh, but Friday Dynamite said fucked the schedules up. So usually with a Wednesday Dynamite, it was available on Friday. The Friday Dynamite wasn't available to the following Wednesday, so then you're going a week behind. Uh, and the other thing about the, the Fight TV is that when they do picture-in-picture, because picture, this is the thing in America that they do yeah. with the ad... Running early action, Penta, Fear Factor, and Pack added the Black Arrow. But Matt broke up distraction by Brandon Cutler, led to a roll-up for Pack, roll-up on Pack and a victory. Yeah, I mean, I feel sorry for Pack and Penta. I mean, they can have good matches all day, but they've always been the bridesmaid, really, you know? Do you think this is the issue? Like, I know AEW's got a, a, a stacked talent roster, but Penta and Pack are just kind of going around in circles at this moment in time. They are, yeah. They keep getting so close, but yet falling at the last hurdle and kind of going back to kind of building themselves up. Yeah, it's it's not really good to see. And kind of are they better there than they were? They would have been, could have been anywhere else. That's what I'm saying. It's a bit with Pack, you know, it's all well and good saying that he's you know one of the best in the world. But if he's never getting the proper opportunity, then, you know, come on now. But anyway, post-match, the Bucks attack Penta, tearing his mask off before setting up the BTE trigger. Eddie Kingston made 
And uh, as we see, the Bucks stick is getting quite old. Everyone else jumping on my Bucks again. Well, obviously, I think the points you made in the previous episodes, Dan, I think have made me grown uh, accustomed to it. Is it, it. like I've, I've shattered it? Shattered you, the illusion? Yeah, yeah. It's like... <laughs> well, I think you have a little bit. Well, commentary informs us that we're going to hear from Mark Henry after a break. So here we go. We're going to watch this right now. Tony Schiavone's in the ring to introduce the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. I've got to say that Tony Schiavone's go old gracefully, my friend. Do you think he's great and he's doing a die job as well? Oh, 100%. <laughs> Look, you can see it in the fringe. <laughs> I mean, come with the greys in your beard. Well, pesky greys, I have spoken about it on the podcast. So the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, getting introduced, Dan. Is this a big signing for AEW? Somebody go and get their wig split. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know what... What are they going to do with Mark Henry? Is he going to have a return to the ring? Is he going to say, no, nah, I'm not going to ring, and then slam John Henry, uh, slam John Cena in the middle of the ring? <laughs> well, this is the thing. Can he, will he take out Tony Schiavone here, Mark Henry? He is looking well, though. We talk about you going to the gym. He has lost, I think he was saying, about 80 pounds. And when consider what he was to what he looks now, he looks in good shape. So what did Mark Henry say, Dan? Well, he said he's not here to fix AW. He's just here to turn the screw. And Tony asks him if he's going to wrestle. And he says, right now, he's not going to say yes. He's got a lot left in the tank. Were you surprised by the uh, positive fan reaction to him saying that? Um, uh, what are we going to do? Have Mark Henry versus Sting in a Iron Man ladder match or something? You know? <laughs> Come on. Oh, wait a minute. What's this, Dan? Excuse me! Vicky Guerrero bringing her WWE shtick to AEW. I mean, <laughs> classing up the joint. Well, look at the negative reaction. She was, uh, she obviously the cougar. But... She's got the Karen haircut as well, hasn't she? <laughs> she is sporting the Karen. Can I speak to the manager, please? Well, she wants Mark Henry and Tony Schiavone to get out of the ring. And, and weirdly enough, they are. And she's here to introduce a man who's won championships around the world. A third-generation wrestler, Andrade El Idolo. He's here. Andrade is here in AEW. We've got a 3-11 man <laughs> repping the AEW. Well, Dan, I know usually you're quite negative about certain things, but what do you think about Andrade in AEW? Well, I've never, ever, ever agreed with Vicky Guerrero. But he is going to be the face of AEW. Do you actually think that? Because, yeah. I mean, he comes out now, he's looking great. We know he's a good worker. Maybe his promos are lacking. But what do you think he can add and what do you think he brings in? I mean, he has got a lot of swagger. He can be, I, I don't, I, you know, kind of like a, a Latino character that they can kind of Alberto El Patron cross Eddie Guerrero kind of character, you know, like that kind of. And I, and I think the man to pull it off. Is Andrade. Oh, without a doubt. He gets on the mic and says he used to say that he's the face of Latinos, but today he's saying he would be the face of all elite wrestling. Uh, I mean, he looks really, really well, but is Vicky Guerrero the right one to introduce him to AEW? Um, well, you know, she knows she knows a lot about Latino men. <laughs> She's no stranger. <laughs> to, to be fair, she has got around, you know. But um, I think the thing today is scheduled to face Kenny Omega at Triple Mania in August. They're both under the same banner now, which kind of makes it a bit less exciting, maybe, for uh, for that. Uh, but JR, trying to pronounce Andrade, sounding like he's having a stroke. How Try and pronounce Andrade... I'll, I'll try and do it for Andrade El Idalo in JR's voice, Dan. <laughs> oh my God, it's Andrade El Idalo! 
I'm trying to eat the Dello. It's, it's the same. I'm trying to eat the Dello. But uh, Andrade is here, like I said, it is huge news for AEW um, as we go to a break. Well, the Nightmare family, Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson versus The Factory, Anthony Agogo and... Yeah, I mean, the action broke down. Aaron Solo provided a distraction and Agogo delivered a knockout blow to Rhodes that allowed Marshall to score the win. This is 50-50 booking at its best. Of course, Cody getting a win. Uh, and if Cody were Cena, this is his nexus, I would think would be fair to say. Um, yeah, you know, he's kind of... Trying to play the super Cody route. Do you think he's the man to put it after? He is the John Cena of AEW, I would argue. You know, I mean, a lot of people talk about Kenny Omega, but I think if you look at uh, face, value, and brand, and, you know, someone who doesn't maybe need a championship and is feuding with, like, wrestlers, I mean, the comparables maybe are there. Uh, we've, we've talked about this before. Is this the right position for Cody to, to be with guys who are developmental? Or does he deserve more? Or is it a case of then you'll turn around and go, well, look at Cody in the AEW World title picture? Well, I think what Cody's doing is he's kind of... He wants that AEW. What he wants is he wants the fans to tell him he deserves. That's what he's playing. That band. Please go for it, please. Jericho admitted... A con- well, the inner circle never forgives, and the inner circle sure as hell never effing forgets, Jericho exclaimed, to end the promo. Okay, so now it's time for single matches. <laughs> Yay! We get a best friend's vignette where they accuse Kenny Omega of cheating Orange out of a... Or cut to Don Callis' highlight package where an interview rolls up. They blow off the best friend's stuff and suggest that Jungle Boy diddle shot. He's no man or jungle. He's a fun guy to cheer for, and Kenny loves his. And even up next, Christian Cage and Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Private Party Zaya Cassidy and Mark Quinn. Captain Charisma made the hot tag to explode it. Late in the match, Private Party tried to wipe out, and Jungle Boy forced Mark Quinn to tap out the babyface's delight of the fans. As Cage left the ring, though, Hiram. Yeah, so Jungle Boy has that star feel about him. In this one, of course, he's got a date with Kenny Omega coming out. This is a good match. But, Dan, we are getting Christian versus Matt Hardy in 2021. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? You can see the pinching of, of the nose ridge. <laughs> say it all. I mean, come on, AW, at least come up with your own backstories in bandwagons of TLC matches from 20 years. It's come on, guys. Well, in a pre-tape segment, Team Taz addressed Hangman Page win over Brian Cage, leader of the Black and Orange, daring the anxious millennial cowboy to find a partner and face Cage and Powerhouse Hobbs. Out in the ring, Tony Schiavone. Allen looked like the weak link, even though he was the TNT champion for kind of quite a long time in history of AEW. And they talk about pushing new stars. You want a 61-year-old to look uh, tougher than uh, your new guy. In the commercial, a promo. Yeah, I mean, well, thanking Tony was a lovely little moment, but this was a bit weird. We know who the Hill Jobbers are, who are standing round the ring now as well. Simple. Up next, Red Velvet versus the Bunny and the Canadian-born Hill dominated the action throughout the commercial break, but Velvet fought back in the match level there with a spinning kick to the face and earned the pinfall victory. This was like a Divas match from back in the day. Velvet nearly killing herself with a suicide dive as well. You know when the rest... I mean, shots is quite often, but when you actually... It's called a suicide dive for a reason because you could literally die. So be very, very careful. In this, um, so do you think they're kind of showcasing a bit of not showcasing the right women's action? I think without doubt. I think there's talent there that can definitely uh, have a show on. And instead you put something like that there. There's no doubt Red Velvet you know, has, has been positioned quite well. But again, they're still very, very underdeveloped. And, uh, you know, and, and, that's, and that's what it is. 
Or commentary hypes up our next couple near over. Yeah. It's nice people can be them. Yeah, well, but the thing is about that is that it was going to be Johnny Hungy, John Silver's uh, title shot. But yeah, like I said, he gifted it to Eva Uno. So, I mean, with the rankings and everything, I know we've had trouble that in the past, but we'll just let it slide for now. Dustin Rose made his entrance to send us to the break and lead the main event, which is Dustin Rose versus Nick Comoroto in a ball rope match. So, what is a Nick? <laughs> yeah, Nick Comoroto is part of the, uh, the, the, the group opposing Cody at this moment in time, along with uh, QT Marshall and those. Again, another guy. He's a big dude, a bit like look at Bruiser Brody, you know? But again, that gimmick is not as fresh as it has been in the past, has it, you know? Well, anyway, D- Dustin rocked Comorato with the cowbells. His ferocious opponent, Colton Gunn, arrived and kicked out the... One. Well, late, Rose sent his opponent into exposed turnbuckle and delivered... A bulldog from the top rope and used the ropes to help tie Comorato up for the pinfall victory. I mean, this is not the main event of a dynamite. Of dark, maybe, but not of dynamite. Uh, did the camera fall on the outside? It looked that way at that point. JR saying bowling shoe ugly would probably sum it up. Not a great dynamite, would be fair to say, Dan. So the brother of the owner of the... Yeah, see, I knew you'd get there, but exactly. What is the point of this then? Is it building up the young guys or is it kind of, like I said, a bit of a, a surprise result? So Mark Henry's kind of built up the fans. Sting's kind of looking at the strong link in his tag, t- link in his tag team partner. Matt Hardy versus Cage is going to be happening. Um, and, and this, you know, Dustin Rhodes... But we look on the bright side, you see, because with every down we might get up again. We have still got Jungle Boy versus Kenny Omega to look at, uh, to look at, um, look forward to, so to speak. But we move on to our second episode of Dynamite, eleventh of June. The show opens with a pinnacle arriving at the venue in a limousine. Yes, and Matt Hardy is in. He says Angelico is will never. All right, so open matches Angelico versus Christian Cage, and Angelico worked over the arm and the shoulder of his opponent in hopes of applying the Navarro death roll. Collected on Hardy's bounty, a resilient cage fought back and finally downed his game opponent, finished him off with a kill switch for the hard-fought victory. Christian Cage picks up, yes, another win, yeah. Well, Hardy had further plan. Yeah, I mean, this was a fun open. Like I said, Christian Cage getting the matches now and trying to pick up uh, the victories. We've seen him in the past a few weeks now. And Jungle Boy making a save makes him feel like a big deal because, like you said, we, we know who Christian is, we know who Matt Hardy is, and now they stick this guy in there and say, right, no, this is one of them who's a star like them. Uh, up next, and uh, we get uh, hype for Dynamite's real. And, uh, oh, this is brilliant. Because uh, <laughs> Tony Schiavone and Ring talk about next week when Aaron Sider with team with QT Marshall gets Cody Rose and his partner, his AEW debut, Dan. It's Brock Anderson. <laughs> you just got to see how they do it. It's brilliant. Brock Anderson. What do you think of that announcement that Brock Anderson will be in action, Dan? It's huge, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Bow, wow, wow. Well, here comes on Anderson's son. Uh, Well, look, let's just... There's young Brock Anderson, Dan. He looks like his dad, doesn't he? (laughs) Fucking hell. He even dresses like his fucking dad. He's definitely an Anderson, isn't he? There's no doubt about that. Stick up them four fingers, son, bitch. (laughs) He's got the same... Yep. Oh, wow. That is Brock Anderson, Dan. I know you'd be happy about that. Well, Cody says Brock wasn't burned on third base, but he's going to steal home plate and hit home run every time out, and he wouldn't mind a modicum of revenge considering that last week he was beaten by Anthony Agogo. He's the American. Well, this brings QT out to take it. 
There's Brock. <laughs> One pyro, or maybe he accuses Cody as like Comrade is what makes him Cody. Well, oh God, sorry. Not the idea. Cody's Brock takes one and breaks the referee. Well, oh my God, Cody, what are you doing, man? Like teaming up with—I mean, don't get me wrong—teaming up with Brock Anderson is, you know, it's just what the fuck. Anyway, up next, Death Triangle, Pack and Pentas LM and Eddie King versus Elite, Brandon Cutler, Matt and Nick Jackson. Well, Cutler, as expected, did not fare well as old by the a well-timed dropkick by Matt to Pack, though allowed him. Well, the hills isolated the bastard throughout the break, but Pat's tag to Pentaspark to come back. Kingston and Pack set aside their differences momentarily to wipe out the hills. A back fist from Kingston to Cutler allowed Pack to cover the tracksuit wearing Lackey for the win. Match the hills beat down the until the elite hunter Frankie Kazarian. Yeah, a good match with the talent involved. It should be, and I'm liking Kaz at the moment. Like I said, ever since Crystal Daniels um, went away, and Kaz saying that he's going to hunt down the elite, we kind of mocked him at that time and going, "Well, what are you going to do?" But showing up in this way, it, it's pretty cool. I will, I will give the devil his due there. The uh, expense of the face of all elite wrestling. Yeah, the I think elite. Exactly. Uh, we get the Kenny Mega Orange Cassidy video package that he and Don Callis edited to send us to the break. Not bad, but the conspiracy is Sami Zayn's stuff. Thank you, please. Leave that alone. And back from commercial, the Pinnacle make their entrance. FTR delivered a promo on Sean Spears, cut us. Wardlow accepted Jake Hager. Well, Jerk and the Inner Circle interrupted via video from the parking lot where they demolished the Pinnacle's limousine, all while the Hills watched on helplessly from the squared circle. So, yes, the feud continues and smashing up vehicles. Uh, so I know what so, you're going to so say. the faces are smashing up yep. the hills like, while they watch on helplessly yes. after saying that... <laughs> didn't Cody Rhodes make a point of saying that they're not bound by the ring ropes? They can exit the, the other show. Yes, yes. And they stood on helplessly, yes. unable to make their way to the back where their opponents were smashing up their cars. Yes. Man, that is fucking good telly. I've never seen shit like that before. Well, back from commercial, Darby Allen and Sting respond to all ego. Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky's challenge. Allen said he's not replacing Sting. He wants a handicap match and he asked Sting to respect his wishes and stay home. He said he's not stupid and he wants to prove both of them that he doesn't need Sting. Oh, they're sowing seeds of Sting versus Darby, the ultimate. <laughs> well, Sting says he's got nothing to prove and he is who he is because he, he is. Because <laughs> he is. Sting says he's got nothing to prove and he's. Who he is because he's Darby, not because... Alan asks him again and Sting agrees, offering a fist bump. Darby hesitates and tells Sting how much he... Well, even when they get a video package talking about how much winning the TNT title would mean to him, both because of his relationship with the late great Brody Lee and because of the road he's taken to the AEW. So Eva Uno versus Miro for the TNT title right now. To, win a... to be fair, AEW is doing that. Like, that's literally why Dark Order have been challenging for the TNT Championship recently because they've been saying this. We talked about it before. Is it a case of, is it just remembering the memory of Brody Lee because otherwise it would be forgotten about? Or do you think they are taking advantage of it then? Because WWE have been accused of it in the past. I, I think, you know, if it's, good, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. You know, if WWE is kind of exploiting the death of a wrestler game, you know, I think AEW should be tarred with the same brush. Yeah, well, fueled by his love for former champion Mr. Brody Lee and determined to win the title in his name, Uno started fast, Miralo halted his momentum and worked him over during the break. 
Stu Grayson and Alan Angels checked on Uno for the break, encouraging him to fight back. Uno did, rocking his opponent with other men. Numerous Uno well, this was an extended squash with Uno losing after dedicating to Mr. Brody Lee in front of the entire day. There's one positive from this, and it is Miro is building momentum at this moment in time. He is. Is it well-deserved momentum for Miro? Is this what the momentum he should have garnered from WWE? What I'm hoping they do, and we, we discussed this in the last AEW one, is remember when uh, Rusev first debuted in WWE as like the kind of dominant, undefeated guy up until he faced John Cena and they kind of dropped the ball there. I'm hoping AEW are going to get him up to that point and then I hope he doesn't lose to Cody Rhodes. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm hoping from that point yeah. then they can build him to the They're not doing anything that WWE hadn't done with him, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, and before we move on, because I'm going to forget about this, and I want to get... Um, Miro, he's known as the best man, but wasn't that through like his previous angle, or is that like, the best man? I think that's, yeah. And Sean Spears, the chairman, he's kind of part of the four horse, kind of not using chairs as much. Is he still the chairman? Yeah, he's... I mean, a double or nothing, they've had a fight in the chair room, oh, okay. and he's attacked Guevara with chairs in the past. So, But that's kind of like an albatross round uh, his neck, because that is kind of what his gimmick is. With Miro, I think the best man, yeah, I think he's just taken it on himself, because the way he destroyed Kip Sabian, and then said to him, I forgive you anyway. So the kind of way he did it was like, you know, a real fucking arsehole way of saying... And even when he came out to help Penelope Ford, like, passive, I'm still the best man type of thing. Look, but maybe he can turn it to, like, the killer of men once he starts kind of building that momentum we're talking about, you know? Well, let's hope. We get an Andrade vision promise. Oh, Tony Schiavone's in the ring and he introduces Kenny Omega. He runs Omega down for Don Tell's Jungle Boy. He did a great job like a band. Well, Kenny puts over Jungle Boy's underwear model-esque body and says he sees a lot of himself in him and respects him quite a bit. But the Saint missing, he can't quite put a finger on. He passes the mic to Callis to answer the question to which he says, The guts to get in the ring. Enter Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Omega says he looks like to say, but he doesn't have the guts. And what he asked Don, who's better on the mic than him before giving Perry grabs the mic and tells him that he talks way too. Jungle Boy has him in the snare trap with a young Bucks. Merlin. That's it's a different thing anyway. So, so I like to talk about the Bucks there uh, making the save. And up next, Mark Mark Serling is in a room with Jay Cargill. Dan, you are right. And he talks her up and says they're going to make her a household name across all media and puts her catchphrase, I'm that bitch, over as we go to a break. Back from commercial, all ego, Ethan Page. Sky tells Derby they gave his child. Alin's done a, few, a lot of dumb things, but this ego says actions have consequences. And Derby, the consequence has his... Yeah, I mean, he's already accepted a handicap match against them, but bit by bit, they're going to cut him down, raise themselves up as the men of the year. Well, Lance Archer squashed, charming him with the blackout in a... And Ryan Nemeth calls Orange Cassidy out, and they give him a spot in the Wingman makeover program, and Caesar Bonanno promises to rearrange his face. And up next is Layla Hirsch. Well, Rose overpowered a smaller opponent early, but the gutsy Hirsch stayed in the fight until later, where she focused on the arm of the late beast, clearly looking for submission. She snatched targets the limb before the action moved to the ropes. There, Rose delivered them the top. And yeah, I mean, this was okay, but Hirsch is tiny. After the match, Tony Schiavone caught up with AEW, who claimed the title. Yeah, and she says she was freaking furious with Nyla Rose for breaking up her cell. A deep breath and realised that Nyla looked quite good flipping burgers. So maybe she should look into a new line of work. She runs her down for making short jokes about Leela and then says the title makes Nyla, but she makes the title. Uh, Tony joined in with a hand signal when they go to DMD as well, which is just kind of like... I, I'm I'm glad that Britt Baker's accepted Tony, otherwise it would be the weirdest thing on AEW. This kind of old man just kind of like fawning over this kind of young lady. 
Uh, commentary after up the announced matches for the next couple of weeks. We go to a break and then I may... They're pot tagged to Paige Sparks to come back for... Hangman teed off on Hobbs, giving way to some wild chaos. Hook hit the ring late and provided... A... Yeah, so we're going to see that now. Brian Cage has had this problem with Team Taz recently where he wants to do it on his own. We see him come up short at AEW Double or Nothing after, you know, asking... Uh, refusing help, and we can see Ricky Starks at ringside as well. well. We talked about Brian Cage a lot. I mean, Powerhouse Hobbs is a big guy as Hook comes into the ring now. Starks throwing the FTW title to Cage to use on Preston Vance. Out. I'm sorry. Ricky Starks, yeah, to the apron, who slaps Cage across the face. And what is going on with Team Tazze? He asked him to use the title belt. That's pissed Cage off. And now Cage looking to go after Starks. Starks is not happy. Now, Vance trying to get Hobbs, but Hobbs just too big. He's not called Powerhouse for no fucking reason. It looks like Team Taz might be in trouble. Hobbs there, nice spine buster. Page with the save. Well, Adam Page is doing, we talk about building momentum with Miro. There's a guy who's in the past year or so, have got all the momentum in the world, but he gets sent to the outside. Oh, that's takes place on, or it's, from the Dan, when it's Randy Orton, you don't throw, don't throw <laughs> stones well, in glass houses. No, no, no. Okay, but the, the DDT to the apron as well. He's all been there. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, but like... he was thrown out of the ring <laughs> to be. Oh, fuck off. There you go, Narco. Bettling no. Randy Orton's. No. Buckshot Lariat. And Adam Page and Preston Ten Vance get the victory over Powerhouse Hobbs. But the bigger deal, Dan, is the end of what looks like the end of Team Taz there with Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, Cage has come along the past six months under Team Taz. Is it too soon to kind of split them up? Or do you see Cage as a kind of babyface down the road, maybe a bit like Lance Archer? To be honest... No? But in a wrestling... Um, they are obviously trying to push Cage as kind of like a bigger deal, someone who's going to be bigger than Team Taz and someone who's going to clearly make it on his own and kind of put a face... Well, that's what I'm saying. We see the Dark Order now celebrating... Of course, all of them minus one there as well, leading the celebrations. So who's missing that? So, huh? You said all of them minus one. No, no, minus one is uh, Brody Lee's son. He's there with a the mask. So, He's... yeah, but who's missing it? You said they're all there, <laughs> minus one. We see John Silver as well, Preston Ten Vance, and Adam Page get the victory. And again, Page picking up another win. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Team Taz. I think it's maybe a bit too early for the split there, but they've obviously got an idea. But I don't think AEW really know how to use kind of... Um, Big powerhouses at this moment in time, but we're going to see with powerhouse our powerhouse Hobbs has no chance. Well, exactly, but we're going to see we've got two powerhouses battling straight away in our opening match with Friday Night Dynamite. It's Jake Hager and Wardlow. It's an MMA rules steel cage match, or of course the Octagon set up here. We're going to have three five-minute rounds. So this is unlike anything that we've seen, of course, in AEW before. If we want to go back to WWE history, of course, we all know we can say off the top of our heads to the Lions Den match with Ken Shamrock uh, against Owen Hart, first and foremost, and then later on against uh, Steve Blackman as well, of course, held at SummerSlam. So we, we have seen this octagon involved. Now, Dan, I know you're going to slate it. That's part of the reason why you're on here for. So what is your problem with them having a kind of MMA-style fight, especially with an octagon? on to start off Dynamite when it's between Wardlow and Jake Hager? Um, because there's not a lot else they can do with these two big guys. You know, they're bowling a great display. and have got some MMA training. Well, he's unbeaten at this moment in time, Hager. But does that take away from it? Because you've got Hager who's a legitimate fighter. You've got Wardlow, obviously, with this. And then you're saying, actually, this is MMA rules. So what, this is real compared to everything else we're going to see on the show? But is it real, though? 
Well, but that's what I'm saying. But is that what they're saying? This what you know. I'm trying to get to the mind of you. I'm trying to trying to get into the kind of the negative well, they, realm of they, it. They, obviously, the way they're kind of entering in, putting them in the va- putting the vaseline above the eyes, and kind of like you know doing everything they would do to someone in a fight. I suppose it's kind of they want you to feel. That's what I'm saying. But is it you know just watch a UFC match? You know, rather than this. Like if you want to see actual MMA, I know with like, and what's Wardley going to do? He's never had a professional MMA fight in his life. And like I said, Hager has been trained for the past few years now, ever since kind of leaving WWE. It's an unfair advantage for Inner Circle. Look, Bellator 214, Hager getting a victory here. Look, this is real. Like, this is what he does. Like, and then you've got Wardley going to step in there. Well, I'm sure, you know, these have been kind of training together and Wardlow's kind of undergone some MMA training, hopefully you would like to think. Well, as I say, we've seen the highlights of Hager as well. A bit of a state there, but he managed to win his 250 fight. But maybe he'll come here with um, overconfidence. So what are your thoughts on the Inner Circle Pinnacle feud? Are you happy to watch, uh, i say, singles matches or tag team matches as well to continue this feud? But then what is kind of the goal? It's like neither of them has anything the other one. You know, they kind of, I know they both want to be the number one team in AW, but to what extent, to to what reward? You know, if if they want to be the team, they need to kind of have some kind of a, a champion at least, you know, at least a tag team or a secondary title going about the group, at least in some kind of relevance and that, but just kind of, you know, here we've beaten you. So we're going to beat you here, then you're going to beat us there, and it's going to kind of go back and forth until until what? Until it gets boring, and then, like, you know, they kind of move away from it and then bring it up. A couple- but this is what I'm saying. Is it just an MGF and Chris Jericho problem? And they've made it into a group. Like, you know what I mean? These two guys, the leaders, so to speak. Sorry, how, is his is his W name the Dapper... What, Justin Roberts? Justin Roberts. It came up, the Dapper Yapper, when it... Yeah. Right, okay. Dapper Yapper. I'll try to remember what I was saying. MJF and Jericho is more of a single feud, and then they've both got gangs. But Jericho is obviously not a gang, is it? It's, it's more of a group because you've got individuals there, whereas you could argue the Pinnacle is more of a gang because MJF, after his problems in the circles, then recruited these guys. So MJF is the kind of lead, it's the, the pinnacle of the group, so to speak, whereas Jericho shares it with the other five. But Jericho's the spotlight. They come out to Jericho's theme. Jericho, it's, it's Jericho. It's your Jericho. But this is what I'm saying. And is it a case of us going, well, that's not right? Or is it what they were doing back in the day? You know, when Dusty Rose and Ric Flair were having a feud, they would get a team of get a team and go into war games. Is this just kind of what we're seeing now? But what 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 does it matter? Do you know what I mean? As I'm saying, like, with the Undisputed Era, they were kind of feuding with this whole a group of others individually is this more like an indi- is this what they're trying to make out now of like this means p- more personal now because five people got problem with five people as opposed to one on one well to this it seems like the pinnacle was the extent and purpose of the inner circle so if the inner circle and for the pinnacle they go after the elite what's well, i saying the ftr would just probably go family. probably just go for tag team titles wouldn't they you know yeah. like either the, with the pinnacle without the pinnacle that FTR would probably still be doing the same I shit. I thought that's what FTR now. wanted was uh, like their kind of ambition, and now their ambition is following MJF and Co up to no extent. Yeah, I know it's a bit weird. Right, so I want to get your thoughts on Wardlow because I don't know how much you have seen of him, but you know we, t- we talk about a big guy and seen uh, MJF's lackey. Is this a good time for him to kind of shine out? We've seen it before in other groups, you know. He- he could have at least worn trunks. I mean, kind of got into the MMA fighting spirit without wearing... But, he's a, you know, he's a big guy. And this is the, the, the potential now. We've seen it with groups before. You know, talk about 
Batista in M Evolution or something like that. You know, big muscly guy, maybe doesn't talk a lot, gets a bit of personality because, you know, you've kind of got that hill there. I think there's a perfect time this year to say, right, what's the hype about? You know, you're sitting behind MJF for that amount of time, now step forward to be seen. And also with Jake Hager, what was potential for him? I know they're doing an MMA now, but can he branch out from that? Or is he in the circles kind of high so he's going to get an AEW? Are we going to get an AEW MMA? Well, would, would that probably be the best for him, wouldn't it? Do you know what I'm saying? But what's, what's there for Hager? Is he just Jericho's lackey and that's the best he can do? I think that's um, that's kind of that's all we've been quietly. You know, it's kind of like he has just stood behind Jericho's yes guy. In- so basically, these two guys are exactly the same. They are the muscle men to Jericho and MJF. And it would basically be embarrassment to uh, whoever the leader was, whoever would lose. And you see a nice stripe, straight right hand there. Huge right. And Wardlow seemed to like it, though. Well, you know, it's, you don't know what kind of training Wardlow has had MMA fighter, but to be holding his own so far as he gets a shot to the ribs. Well, this is the thing. What is Hager going to do? If I was Hager in this one, I'd just try and get a takedown. You know, take him down to the ground. We've seen what his Bellator victories in the past have been mainly submission ones as well. Wardlow won't be able to fight Against and let's not forget about. Oh, I don't want to sound like Jr. here, but look at uh, Jack Swagger, as well, what, NCAA champion. You know what I mean? Like he's had the experience there to wrestle. Now he's there. We go. That's what we're going to look for the double leg takedown. Oh wow! Wardlow just picking him up and throwing him off though. <laughs> and flexing like Brock Lesnar. Oh Wardlow, like Brock Anderson. Thank you very much for watching yeah. AEW. And a nice takedown there by Hager. Like Jake Hager's got a cut elbow though. I uh, guess it. I mean, if it goes the distance here with the three five-minute rounds, then the takedown is going to be very, very important later on in the match. I haven't seen too much. Previous- but this is what worries me: is that Hager's an actual MMA fighter. So does he do these in real? Like you know, what I mean, the condition of him here shouldn't be too bad. But like you said, they're sweating bullets. I mean, probably doesn't help being in Daly's uh, place where the temperatures are going to be high anyway. But even that, like I said, it's about strength and conditioning. And, you know, with Wardlow, he's got to survive 50 minutes here. But then he's got to kind of get a bot. Oh, well, he catches the leg of Hager and kind of palm strikes it. Got Hager, Hager backed up. Into- well, I never thought to see that. Wardlow picking up Hager and dumping him down. And uh, just swinging left and right. And uh, he's looking to finish it. But, again, when you talk about conditioning, it might not play out later on. As Hager seems a little bit upset by that. Do you think he might have underestimated Wardlow a little bit coming into this matchup? Well, I think he might. Seems a bit out of... Aubrey Edwards got to be careful not to get clocked by these two big men. We're not going to hit each other for real, are they? You know what I, I mean? Know, but, like... <laughs> like, but, like, at least do something, you know. <laughs> well, we see a Superman punch off the cage. As Hagen now uh, getting chased down by Wardlow. Well, yeah, they're, they're working punches, aren't they? There's no doubt about that. As Hagen now has just got to survive the last five seconds. And i tell you something, Dan, what are your round one thoughts? Um... Yeah, you know, in a in a match perspective, I think yeah, Wardlow certainly kind of come out, especially the latter half of the uh, Wardlow was definitely on top. Had Hager kind of backing off. Jake started off quite well, had a few downs, but yeah, um, I think kind of he has certainly caught Hager by surprise. I think that down. I think we're looking the corner as well. We see Jericho looking and maybe a little bit worried with Hager there. And I think with Wardlow, maybe it was a case that early on in the round he felt Hager's power and thought. Do you know what? That actually is not that bad. And I think maybe Hager felt Wardlow's and thought, actually, that is quite bad. I want to try and avoid that at all costs. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Hager maybe trying uh, for a couple of takedowns just to catch his breath up. You know, just try and wait. Think about the arms now of Wardlow. He's been swinging uh, really, really heavily. Is he coming out? 
and straight towards Hager, but Hager moves out of the way and he's begging off the face. Well, look, maybe, yeah, it looks like midsection. There we go, goes for the goal behind now. Nice. It'd be difficult to wrestle with as well. You talk about the sweat on each man's body. Not being able to get a grip. Wardlow trying to roll through, get an armbar or something. He's got a bit of top control now, top mount. Well, you called it right, James. They're both breathing heavily after the first round. Resting this second round. They are now, but Hager is in a horrible position right now. But it's all right, because Wardlow's jabs are really uh, <laughs> awful. The, the only thing worse than Wardlow's jabs there is actual UFC punches. Everybody sees them. But that's a nice transition there by Wardlow. Jake Hager's got his arms clasped together. Oh, my God. Cross arm break was in for a second. Hager... Oh, Hager rolling round, yeah. He had the leg hooked and everything in a match. Well, this is the thing with Hager, the way he wrestles as well. It might be quite confusing just going from you know, kind of the one sport to the other. As now Hager trying the arm. Yeah, I'm sure the no boots and the big mitts and the huge cage around the outside cost it hard to comprehend. Oh, no, not that, but just mentally. You know, when you've got a guy with the, the arm under your neck... And all of a sudden you're thinking, where am I? Do you know what I mean? Or what am I doing now? Well, often when I'm playing golf, because I play cricket standing <laughs> for a golf ball. That's what I'm saying. So you're never sure. As Wardlow now with a power, picking Hager up. Who's in... And yes, they have been cuddling for the past two minutes. Well, I think if you look at it, we, uh, you would say that Wardlow's had top control for maybe the past couple of minutes. With Hager trying to get out with a couple of desperation submissions. A bit like this one now as well. Got the ankle lock. And you will not see that in an MMA uh, <laughs> octagon or anything like that. But the ankle lock is in. Wardlow might have to tap here. Imagine to get out of it. And Hager just trying to get his bearings. And now going to put the leg up. But Wardlow catches him. Straight up. Well, half a power bomb on it really is Wardlow now. Nice. That was Alakin Shamrock. Alakin Shamrock. And a spear. Well, Wardlow definitely bringing it. Three swings and three misses, though. Oh, there you go. Triangle choke in. Wardlow got caught right into that. Hager now just trying to cut the oxygen off as Wardlow knows he's got to fight this. Trying to wiggle his way out. But Hager just changes his position. But Hager looks a bit shocked about Wardlow getting back up again. Wardlow managing to slide through. Picks up Hager. Now Hager manages to block it with the elbows. Picks him up. Rock bottom. Well, with a minute left, you've got a question. How much energy is left in both men? Yes, the submission's in, but after all the punishment Hager is taking, oh, tick acid around the body. He's telling Jericho he's number one as he passes out. Wow, Wardlow put the finger up, but got taken out by the MMA fight. I guess the right result there. Dan, what are your thoughts on that? Um, the first round was quite good. The second round... But what about the result? Uh, the kind of what you'd expect, Jake. And I'm sure kind of taking down that AW up that percent pure worth. Yeah, I think without doubt. I think it's quite a good opener. Like you said, uh, Wardlow brought it in this one. You see what he was like in the first round. Of course, it wasn't going to be real strikes and everything like this. But I think a little bit of mutual respect there between the two. And, of course, Hager getting the victory. He is MMA. It looks like they're going to maybe have a handshake now. No. From behind, Jericho jumps in. His arm's all bandaged up. We're going to see the pinnis, pinnacle and the pinnis. I think Dan may have had a strike, but Jericho now fighting back with Wardlow. As now the fight's carrying on inside this cage. They turn into a tag team cage match, and MJF takes his scarf off. Makes his way into the cage straight after Jericho. Well, these two men absolutely hate each other. As now he's going to go targeting the elbow now. 
Oh, exposing the injured arm. Just wrenching it back as Jericho taps out, but it's not a match, so there's nothing that can be done about it. Well, salt of the earth arm bar that MJF does is incredible. And is that Malenko? Dean Malenko's in the ring stopping MJF. Oh, who even knows a thousand moves. Of thousand course. And one move. Well, let's, moves. let's not forget the pinnacle taken out. Dean Malenko just a couple of weeks ago before Double or Nothing. And MJF calmed himself down. He's not going to do anything to Malenko. Oh! You son of a bitch. Well, that was one move Malenko wasn't prepared for. My God, MJF knocking out Malenko. And now he's smirking, Dan. No, James, he hasn't got a cigarette in his gob. He's got his face because uh, he's the number one thing right now. Well, my God, he is an absolute piece of shit as he's there taking out an old man. Well, Guevara's not happy as he runs out, but Wardlow and MGF make their escape. And as you see here, it's a statement sent, yes, um, the inner circle may have won the battle, but the pinnacle's still looking war here tonight. So MJF and Wardlow just ran away from Sammy and then Wardlow just said to Sammy, come on. What? Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. So what were you saying? MJF (laughs) and Wardlow ran away from Sammy Guevara. Yep. And then stood at the top of the entrance, come on. What a prick. They usually do stuff like that, don't they? Arseholes. Yeah. It's like those cunts, right, who fucking, you know, when they motion for the title belt. Never got a title belt, you prick. What are you talking about? Like, come on. Uh, well, anyway, backstage, Frank Kazarian, Eddie Kingston, and Penta L0M cut a promo. Kazarian said he's done being decent and he'll leave the elite in a pile of lone despair. Eddie Kingston says they're better praying hope God takes their souls because they've got their asses as we go to a break. Well, back from commercial, Team Taz are backstage. Taz tells Ricky Starks that needs to end right now. And additionally, he challenges Hangman Adam Page to a match against powerhouse Will Hobbs on next week's Saturday of Dynamite. Yeah, and up next is Darby Allen versus the men of the year, all eager Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky in a handicap match. So this is quite funny because, of course, Ethan Page uh, left Impact Wrestling because he didn't want to be in a tag team to be put in a tag team with Scorpio Sky. But Darby Allen here, Dan, is he the... Uh, so, obviously, MJF, you, you're not a huge fan of MJF. Adam Page, no. you didn't show that much excitement for him there. What about Darby Allen? Who's for you personally? Who's the breakout star? Could it be Darby Allen for AEW? If not, what is your problem? I don't know. It seems like they're putting him in a bit of a, a silly storyline, kind of like a pre- very predictable. You know, Steve, like Darby Allen's going to be the face in pair come outstanding his call. Well, no, they, they had the agreement, didn't they? Sting is not allowed to get involved in this. That's what Darby Allen was saying to me. He wants to prove that he doesn't need Sting in his corner to get the victory done. But do you think Sting being in the corner of Darby Allen has affected him then these past couple of months? Or do you think it's added it because you're kind of getting that rub? Um, I don't know because kind of you're getting the rub. But when you link compared to a man who's kind of wasn't wrestling WWE for a few years, you're kind of, well, you know, you want to start questioning. It's like if someone tells me I'm in like slightly worse shape than Rick, start panicking, you know? Well, it's the thing. But of course, with the TNT title reign that Darby Allen has had, I don't mind the occasional matches with Sting, but like you say, you don't want to make it a thing of saying, oh, Allen needs to uh, show that he's better than them. Because I think when you're building stars like AEW trying to do over the past couple of years, I think Darby Allen is probably up there, with, uh, maybe even above Orange Cassidy with the kind of who they've trying to build up. You know, you've got Adam Page as well that you could argue with the kind of faces. We've seen Jungle Boy recently as well kind of making this through. You could argue on the hillside that usually they're kind of a lot of maybe older 
wrestlers or something like that to see. I mean, MJF probably kind of the heel, you know, that we've got at the moment. But maybe Ethan Page or Scorpio Sky could do something because obviously at the moment they're in a tag team match. There's no doubt Page has impressed me for what I've seen of him, but obviously the bar wasn't set that high. Um, whereas Scorpio Sky was the face, won the face of the revolution, the ladder match, and then since then it's kind of been cutting ground. There's no doubt they're great talents, but I just worry at this moment in time, if, like you talked about, we talked about earlier, just talent like Pack and Penta, just kind of going around in circles, you know? Indeed, and with these guys, you know, like with uh, Paige and Scorpio Sky, it's like if you want to be billed as a strong, dominant, like, you know, kind of beating a man two on one, well, like, you know, match goes. This is exactly, yeah. Um, you know, like, that's not going to build up their hill status strong. You want a hill to be dominant. The crypto, all this whole feud. Yeah, I think I doubt. I'm going to talk to you about Darby Allen Star because I've had a few arguments with people about the past of it. Uh, and he said he's not going to have a long career just because of the risks that he takes in matches. Now, we've watched Jeff Hardy, the career, we're old enough to see people like that. Is the chances that he's taken in the match and chances that he takes, are they worth it overall if he's going to end up in a wheelchair, at, you know, in his 40s or something like this? Um, well, it kind of depends how well you take your bumps. I mean, like, with Mankind, for example, you know, he's kind of, he's lost it to take some crazy as fuck. But, um, but, you know, that man's still walking, but you kind of take a bump. Pile drive, you know, kind of who's to argue one's worse than the other for To you? be fair, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's even like a couple of weeks ago, you know, with Jericho taking that fall off the top of the cage, and the same episode, Darby getting thrown down the concrete steps. You know, the, his coffin drop, falling backwards uh, onto the ring. We've seen the kind of power bombs in the body bags and stuff like that as well. I think sometimes it's just it's it's a bump for bump take, and with maybe I'm just different with Captain Mick Foley because I, I look at his work a little bit differently. But I just worry sometimes, especially with this like, kind of young man like this who has got talent, like to be taking those risks, I don't know if it, it's worth it, you know? And especially when, how much do you think Darby Allen is getting paid? You know, what do you think his contract is? What do you think? Do you know what I'm saying? If he had a serious injury, like you talk about the next year or so, what's he going to do for the rest of his career? Is he going to be a commentator? Is he in Corey Graves? Like, that, that's, the, uh, that's the risk and reward there, I think, for Darby Allen. Yeah, I don't. Again, you know, with as you compared him to a Jeff Hardy, that's who I'd I'd say he's most similar to. As you know, kind of what takeaways does Jeff Hardy have from his career? His brief champion was all them humps worth it. You can't even and get then you yeah. see John Cena. I mean, the man barely got in rope, and he's won sixteen championships. The thing is, Jeff, he can't even get you know. So, uh, and this is the thing, and and with Derby, there's no doubt I enjoy watching Derby Allen wrestle, you know, even now we wouldn't be watching this match if it wasn't a kind of, there's something, definitely something about him, he's got a different look, a different style than the most wrestlers that we've seen coming up, you know, uh, but I just, I just worry for him that with the risks that he takes, uh, but can he be, I mean, how far can he go in AEW with Derby Allen? Can he go all the way to the top? I, Again, with him, I don't know because you haven't, really, you know, you kind of seen him, yeah, I'm going to, you know, he kind of got to a certain point, halted, and, you know, to, went back. Is it kind of what, you know, I only go to that special place when I need it, but you kind of need it in every match, be the best in every match. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's need to kind of know his ambitions as well. Because oh. at the moment, he's just kind of like in a feud. Yeah. So it's just like, it's, it's like a crash test dummy, the way Paige just picked up Darby and just threw him down. And he's been doing well in this matchup, there's no doubt. And now he may be bringing out the shenanigans. Well, he's got some cable ties. He's just <laughs> tied Paige's feet together, thrown him out of the ring. Sky charges towards him with a roll-up. Two. 
And now Darby turning it up again, looking for the car to roll, but can't get the job done. Page is hogtied at ringside. Over the top stunner. And now Darby might be looking to put Sky away. Going to go for the coffin drop. Talk about risk and reward. Lands it. There we go. One, two. No. <laughs> Despite having his feet tied together, Page manages to drag Allen out of the ring. Well, I'll be impressed with uh, Page, especially, like I said, when he um, really first slammed uh, Darby Allen into the front row at the pay-per-view as well. It's good to see that. But Page now maybe not playing anymore. And Allen's chance may be over in this matchup. <laughs> he takes bumps really well, doesn't he? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But the way he's, it is like a rag doll, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like, he's got no care about his landing. He's got sent to the ring post, but makes it look great. But then, like, you know, you kind of... I know you appreciate that kind of... You remember that Darby Allen? Oh, is he going to take a beating well? Yeah. You kind of... You don't want to remember him from, from oh, Darby Allen. Yeah, the bloke against all odds. But like I said, it's great building blocks for a babyface because, you know, we talk about the greatest of all times. You have to feel sorry for them and you have to look like they're getting the shit kicked out of them. And the same about Allen that, I mean, he is getting the shit kicked out of him. So I think that helps with the selling as well as Paige looking to put things away. Page used to team up with uh, Josh Alexander, somebody we saw on the Impact Wrestling podcast as well recently. Great talent, and Page trying to come out on his own, but Darby biting and clawing, scratching and fighting. Head button, Page goes down, then goes up. Sky there for the save. Well, Sky crotched him on top, and now might put him in perfect position for the all ego powerbomb. And he hits it. Darby into the cover. One, two, three. Page and Sky win. Dan, what were your thoughts? The matchup and the finish of that. Um, the matchup, you know, you kind of it was either going to be a Sting save, but Sting said he is Darby going to go. Well, why didn't you? You kind of. Um, but you know, what's Darby actually getting out of it? You know, what's he? What's he proved? He's proved that he needs Sting in his corner. Like I said, when Sting is not there, Darby will lose in a two-on-one situation. But at least Sky and Page win. But again, you could argue, you could. Uh, that, again, this is 50-50 booking from, from the pay-per-view loss to this to carry on the feud. Um, I suppose, you know. yeah, but, uh, and, as, and on the finish, I, I think that all he got fucking... <laughs> it doesn't even look pretty. No, it looks pretty deadly. <laughs> uh, anyway, back from commercial, we get an inset promo for the wingmen when they complain about Orange Cassidy not texting the back about their offer to give him a makeover and make him pretty. Up next is Cesar Bononi versus Orange Diving DDT blocks. Satellite DDT Chuck Tinge Punch. Yeah, the Orange Punch gets the victory there. Post-match best friends do the snap zoom hug while Pretty Pete Ravelon cradles Bononi and cries out to an uncaring god. Why? Well, this was fun. And the best friends t-shirt is actually quite cool. It looks like OC is moving on up. Jungle Boy Jack Perry is interviewed backstage when Kenny Omega and Don Callis and why if Perry is... Yeah, he's packed a picnic with two knuckle sandwiches for Jungle Boy and he wants to fight right here. Perry says he'd rather beat him next week in the ring for the title. Omega sweetens the deal. First one's free, but as soon as he takes a shot, he'll be all over his ass. There's only one chance and Jack goes to pull his hair up when Michael Nakazawa attacks on behind with a laptop. Omega jumps Jungle Boy, they brawl and we go to a break. Uh, this is the same stuff from Kenny Omega that we've seen for the past few months. Now, it's good from Jungle Boy, but does make the face look stupid when you know he is going to get tacked from behind. Well, back from commercial, uh, the Hardy backs Matt Hardy and Cage. If he keeps, Cage attacks him, but H.F. him behind. Hardy wants to talk, and he's going to give Christian 
and out retire and he'll pay him for it. Yeah, so Matt Hardy wants Christian to retire and he'll pay him a nice little severance package as well. Well, Cage tends to open the door. Matt says a little alone time will give him perspective. He keeps coming after him. He's going to end his career permanently. Well, yeah, like we said, yeah, it's 2021 and we are getting Christian versus Matt Hardy. But right now, we're going to get the factory Aaron Solo and QT Marshall versus Cody Rose Anderson. Well, this was given a lot. And back from commercial and worked on Gets away from Marshall. Solo runs it. Aaron has referee two. Mix Brock and Brock reverses. Well, Rose with a tag power slam to Solo, bringing Marshall back in and hip tossing him across the ring. Flying head scissors and a clothesline sends QT to the floor. Block the, uh, the low blow. Leg pick into the figure four leg lock, but Aaron gets the rope, sending Solo up top. Flip pile drive on QT when he runs in. Aaron with a school by and a handful of chunks, but it's not enough. Solo with a kick. Anderson breaks it up. Cody dives on QT. Aaron comes from behind on Brock, but gets double-legged. Jackknife and Brock Anderson picks up his very first win with Cody Rose against uh, Aaron Solo. And, of course, then we see Aaron and Brock celebrate together. I mean, there's no other wrestlers that have both names, but other wrestlers are more famous. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, are we going to have Dusty Cena next? Like, how is that actually going to get to a level? Like, is there any other wrestler? It's like, right, no. Well, Brock, there's a Lesnar. Anson, you got Aunt, you're, you're fucked, mate. You know, what else can we do, Dan, you know? <laughs> like, what else can it be? Like, you can't, you can't win there, can you? I was trying to think, like, call yourself Stone Cold Undertaker or something. <laughs> like, no, mate. No, it ain't going to work for you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, Randy Austin. Well, the match itself was basic. This has felt like a development match. This stuff should be on uh, dark. Cody, good, but just treading water. Brock did okay. Up next, Jake, the Snake Roberts and Lance Archer cut a promo. Jake says Lance isn't a doctor, but any patience. Hey. And what's he going to do? Bit slap him and tell him to Archer paces like a madman the entire time and roars at Robert. Yeah, well, up next, J- Jim Ross, JR, sits down with Andrade Eridalo. Let's have a look. You got it. <laughs> I'll say that in a minute. <laughs> so, what did Andrade say, Lendan? You got it, man. You got it. Well, Andrade says he came. There are many, but he is the. He says he wants opportunities for both single titles here. And he's with Vicky Guerrero because she understands she's smart and they have a great connection. But you need to wait because they have... Wow. So, first and foremost, Dan, um, what surprise do you reckon it could be that they're going to have? Is it another person maybe coming along? Or what about someone like Zelina Vega? Eh? What about that, maybe? Or... What, what did you think of the interview? Because his English was terrible. He's been in WWE for years as well. And it's so bad they actually had to subtitle it as well. Yes, and I'm surprised they didn't subtitle JR's bit as well. Hey, yeah. No, but seriously, what do you think of Andrade? Because he just looks like a star as well, um, doesn't he? he? He certainly has that kind of, you know, this this would be a vignette kind of thing. You know, he sat there. What's going to be very expensive whiskey, I'm sure, if he had a big fat Cuban in his fingers and tied back. He's a man that is hopefully they kind of present him in the ring the way that they do with kind of like his promos, so to speak. Yeah, I think without a doubt. Well, back from commercial, the Dark Order and Hangman and Page are interviewed. Page accepts Will Hobbs' challenge, but said he's not concerned about that right now. He just wants to drink and hang out with friends. Asked about being number two contender in the world title. He says, John Silver is almost healed up. Ten got the win last week. Five got a new jacket. And even though they gave a performance of a lifetime against Miro last week. So he wants to toast them. I love Page with the Dark Order. I think it just fits. Yes. Um, they kind of, are they kind of like, you know, putting them in kind of... Yeah, I mean, they've not officially said that, but they did a kind of thing where Paige 
kind of like was protecting the Dark Order. So he, they, they, John Silver loves Adam Page, and the Dark Order have grown to love Page, and Page is kind of, I suppose it's like a, a rock and sock connection, but the sock is a whole group of men. You know, <laughs> like that's the kind of what's going on at the moment. But it's good shit. And up next, Judy Hart versus Penelope Ford. Back from commercial, back and forth, Ford with a lariat, Hart with a chest kicks, and Penelope cracks a fireman's carry gut buster, follow up with a moonsault but off the ropes for Deathlock, bridging back. For the victory in a post-match, Ford keeps hold on as long as she can until the Varsity Blondes break things up. Enter Miro. He asks where Kip Sabian is and promises Penelope Ford he'll fight for honour for dropping Griff Gasson with a lariat. Ryan Pillman Jr. dives as they brawl until referees pull him apart. Mirror breaks loose and charges in to restart the brawl. I thought this was a clever reminder of Kip Sabian because Dan, you asked about that earlier as well. The match was okay, but this was to set up Pillman versus Miro. Ford did impress with this one. It was an after. Pillman is getting a little bit of momentum on his side as well. He is getting a bit as well. Yeah, the Varsity Blondes have been doing quite well. They've got more dark or kind of elevation type matches at this moment. But what I've seen on Dynamite... You know, um, it's working really well. And they had the um, dark side of the ring about Brian Pillman uh, a few weeks ago as well, talking about him. So that's kind of brought the Pillman family back into the limelight again as well, if you know what I mean. But very, it's, it's interesting to see a building. Like I said, they need to build new stars. Yeah. So this is what they kind of have to look at. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, is interviewed backstage by Tony. She Guerrero rolls up, and but she's not happy. Britt Moss a match. Let her set up a match and Rebel. Yeah, that match will happen on the next Wednesday Dynamite on June 30th, as well as Miro versus Brian Pillman Jr. and the MGF versus Sammy Guevara. Both matches we will watch. And looks like uh, Britt may be turning face in this one, of course, because Nyla and Vicky are really, really hills. And the commentary also runs down the next Saturday night card as well. Of course, that will be headlined by Jungle Boy versus Kenny Omega. We'll be getting a video package of dueling promos from FTR and Proud and Powerful, where FTR says PMP are but not, and that sends us to a break. Back from commercial, we get a hype reel for AEW's touring plans for the fall. Smart Mark Sterling and Jade Cargill are backstage to talk about their monetization plan. They've partnered with the Toronto Four Seasons and they're accepting offers from other elite companies. Promo code that bitch. But they're also focused on pro wrestling where Jade is undefeated and she's going to continue her win streak on the first episode of Rampage because she's that bitch. Yeah, it looks like Jade will maybe be the hill threat for Britt Baker once that face turn happens. And then we get Eddie Kingston versus uh, Frankie Sarian and Penta LZM versus the Elite, which is Doc Gallows, Carl Anson and Matt Jackson. And this was a classic AEW trios match with so much. Eddie was targeted the majority and towards the end after tagging in Penta, Machine Gun with a jumping net breaker for separation tag to Doc. Good Brothers clear the apron. Double Teams Jackson drops the big elbow. Penta kicks out. Uh-huh. Anderson tags back in. Magic Killer denied when Kaz runs in. He passes Big Hoot the floor. Oh, he passes Big Boot to the floor. Super kick from Jackson. Kingston with a half Nelson suplex. Anderson with a sick kick. Drawing Penta up to whip the corner up and going into a lung blower. Going up top for the follow-up, Nick Jackson runs in with a cold spray machine gun off the top. And then the gun stun from Kyle Anson on Penta gets the win. And the elite celebrate 
on the stage. So Phoenix and Penta chose Pack over Kingston in the past. But the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That is understandable. I do like Kaz's new look and gimmick. Moxley has taken time off because him and Renee have had a baby now, a little baby girl. Congratulations there. Uh, Penta is great but keeps bucks when again, or, or just a buck. It was a good main event to a, a good Dynamite. Our next episode is Saturday Night Dynamite, June 26th, of course, headlined by Omega versus Jungle. Well, Saturday Night Dynamite kicks off with commentators throwing to a video from earlier in the day where Sean Spears ambushes Sammy Guevara with a chair shot by a production truck. Sticking up to his name, the chairman, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. uh, Spears sarcastically wishes Sammy good luck in his next match. Uh, good luck next week in his match. AF. And then back inside Daly's place, powerhouse Hobbs makes his way to the ring for his match against Hangman Adam Page. Yeah, and Hobbs focuses on the arm of his opponent, hoping to negate the buckshot lariat. Despite a laceration on the back of his head, Page fought back into the match, delivering a moonsault for close two. Two. We've still attempted it from Team Taz Henchman, Ricky Starks and Hook, as well as a spinebuster from Hobbs to deliver the dead eye and score the pinfall victory. There is no doubt Adam Page has turned into Mr. Consistent. I remember the first time you and I saw him in AEW Pay Future Calls challenging for Chris Jericho two years ago. And we weren't sure about the character then, were we? And he's just like, for me personally, he's the kind of like the everyday man. There's something just likeable about Adam Page and I think that's huge credit to the man himself. Well, I think with Hangman Page, he's, he's kind of been a stable in AEW where kind of everyone else has been getting positive and negative feedback for what they're saying. Hangman Adam Page is just kind of like showing up, doing his thing. And, you know, he's he's been constant. Yeah, I mean, AEW does start the show strong, of course, the fan, fan reaction. Hobbs is getting better. This was quite good stuff. We now get a hype video from the AEW World Championship match between Kenny Omega and Jungle Boy later tonight. And then back from commercial with a Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler pre-taped promo. The Bucks run down all the prick teams they've beaten while explaining that Eddie Kingston and Penta will join the list next week. The Bucks will win... Because they are EVPs, and that is extremely violent people. So they're even on the fact, because like we talked about before, the Bucks are only getting this because of their thing, and they're using the EVP now. Whether you love it or hate it, they can get underneath the skin. Uh, back inside the venue, Tony Schiavone standing in the ring with Teddy Blanchett, and Conan... Orderly! Arriba la raza! <laughs> makes his entrance for his face-to-face interview opposite Blanchard. Well, Conan cuts a promo about his relationship with Santana and Ortiz while Blanchard put over FTR. Just as it appeared, though, Proud and Powerful had joined in the ring. Blanchard threw to footage from the backstage area of Santana and Ortiz writhing in pain. Yeah, so the competitors ruined their masks, revealing themselves to be Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. They delivered a vicious spike pile drive on Conan and stood tall to close the segment. I can't believe it's fucking Conan is on TV at this time. But this was okay. The reveal of them not being proud and powerful standing behind him was all right, I suppose. Well, yeah. Uh, something a, a bit different, I suppose. Yeah. Sort of. When Martin enters the ring for his match, his entrance is interrupted by Vicky Guerrero, who introduces future AEW champion Andrade El Idolo. Vicky and Andrade are about to make a huge announcement, but Matt Seidel then makes his entrance because he's Dante's opponent. Andrade wants to take a shot at Seidel, but Vicky holds him back. Things are a bit tense, but Andrade and Vicky head to the back, and the scheduled match is on. Yeah, so it looks like they're teasing something there, but we get Seidel, the seasoned veteran, ground his young knees over. Martin fought back and delivered a double springboard moonsault for a near fall. He then landed a stunner at the early end to win, but Seidel absorbed it, fought back and delivered a lightning spiral for the pin. Full 
victory. Uh, and it's JR made actually quite a good point of commentary saying Seidel is a 20-year vet. Uh, Martin, Dante Martin's only 20 years old. <laughs> wow, yeah. Bit of a difference there. You think about that. Uh, but it's a really fun match. Yeah, Christian runs into Jungle Boy backstage and tells him, don't just be happy to have the title match with Omega. He should have a chip on his shoulder because so few f- people think he can actually defeat the champ. It's time to prove those people wrong. And Jungle Boy thanks Christian for the pep talk. And we go to break. Well, back from break. And Mark Sterling is backstage with Gerald Cargill, hyping up Salve AW shop while insulting Dark Order in the process and calling wrestling fans overweight. That's that's an old old school classic hill yeah. line, isn't it? <laughs> you fat, useless, overweight people. Uh, Alex Marvez is an interview with MJF, Wardlow and Sean Spears. MJF doesn't understand why so many people have a problem with his recent attack on Dean Malenko. Malenko is an old sick man who has no place in professional in a profession as dangerous as pro wrestling. So MJF should be thanked for giving Dean an early retirement. Or Chris Jericho, Jake Hager jump into the picture for an attack, but the Bay faces are outnumbered three to two without Sammy Guevara there. The five men brawl out to the ring where the numbers game is too much for the Bay faces to handle. MJF has Jericho trapped with Spears ready to destroy his arm with a chair. Out comes Sammy for the save. He lights up the hills and blasts Wardlow and Spears with a chair. MJF gets out of dodge before Guevara can smash him next. Sammy grabs the mic, calls MJF an arsehole and a bitch, and vows to beat him on Wednesday. This was really good build for their matchup coming up on Dynamite. And back from a break with a pre-tape promo from Miro, hyping up next week's TNT Championship match against Brian Pillman Jr., He's going to murder the man, essentially. <laughs> yeah, nice. nice. Well, back in the ring, out comes the men of the year, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. It's time for Ethan Page to wrestle Bear Bronson, who is accompanied by Bear Boulder. Bear or not. Bronson exploded through the ropes with a tope suicida, but the distraction from the official allowed Sky to interject himself into the match and seize control for Page. This dropped... It, it, uh. Despite a strong comeback late in the match, further interference from the former AEW tag champion... And I go to deliver a low blow and finally on his third try the ego's edge for the pinfall victory. Well after the match Paige reiterated his desire to be the nail and Darby Admin's Darby Allen's coffin and challenged him to a coffin match on July seventh at Road Raging. For a big man, quite impressive, but I think Paige has been set up uh, to lose here, but not a bad match, you know. So a coffin match. Have we ever seen them before? Well we we have probably seen coffin matches. I will with Darby Allen, with the coffin drop as his finisher, I might just allow it. But if AEW fans start saying stuff, then you know what I mean? We can always throw it back. Well, for a big man, he is impressive. And Paige loves being set up to lose. Uh, Britt Baker and Rebel are backstage with a promo for next week's tag team match against Vicky Guerrero and Nyla Rose. Vicky and Nyla respond in kind. It sounds like Nyla's getting a title shot at Baker's AEW Women's Championship at Fighter Fest Night 2. On July 21st, and we go to a break. Yeah, back from that, it's time for the bunny with the Chris, Stat- Chris Statlander with Orange Cassidy. Despite an attempt to butcher, by Butcher to introduce Brass Knuckles to the match, Statlander caught Bunny with the Big Bang Theory. After the match, a sneak attack by Butcher, Jack Evans and Angelico led to a three-on-one beatdown of Cassidy. The heel stood tall to close out the segment. Yeah, Bunny is a 16-year veteran. I was surprised when I got told this. Uh, this was okay. And backstage with a promo from QT Marshall, Cody Rose and QT will have a South Beach strap match at Road Rager on July 7th. Pillman Jr. now cuts a quick pre-tape promo on Miro, hyping up their NXT title match next week. 
And the main event is coming up after the break. Well, back from the break with another pre-tape promo this time from Eddie Kingston and Penta open up June's 30th title eliminate match against the Young Bucks. And then here comes Jungle Boy for the main event. He's accompanied by a luchasaurus and Marco Stunt. Jungle Boy's family is sitting in the front row. Omega is accompanied by Don Callis and the Good Brother. About 20 minutes remaining in the episode, but a 60-minute time limit. Shivoni says they will stick with the match no matter how long it takes. So here we go. It's Kenny Omega again. Every time we seem to be doing a podcast together, Dan, we saw him defend the Impact World Heavyweight Championship against Moose on our last show. And this time putting the AEW World Heavyweight Championship on the line against Jungle Boy. Uh, first and foremost, to speak about Kenny Omega. I mean, that's quite impressive, isn't it? From company to company, defending the top titles in the punches. I mean, that is what makes a guy one of the best wrestlers in the world, surely. Well, don't call me Shirley for starters, but it kind of, I think, especially with like, you know a few of the other titles, I think Kenny Omega should kind of focus on being the guy in AEW because there are still a few other guys that I would rank higher than him in the kind of like, I don't know, in the... Just in the like impressive stakes kind well, of thing. Is Omega maybe uh, biting off more than he can chew? Like I said, in Impact, he's got his challenges like Moose, Sammy Callahan, and people like that. Of course, we talk about in AEW, we know what he's going. He's facing Andrade for the, the, the AAA title coming up in August as well. So you've got to think maybe his mind might be off it. And especially in a match against a young man like Jungle Boy, is he going to take this threat as serious as he would if it was a, a John Moxley? Well, um, a lot of people are saying he isn't taking it serious. A lot of people are saying that Jungle Boy doesn't kind of deserve to be there. And was it recently that Jungle Boy kind of was the first AEW wrestler to win 50 matches or something? Yeah, well, well, that's coming up soon on the next episode. But like I said, uh, right now, he's got to this point, of course, winning the... um, Battle Royale to get to this moment to face Kenny Omega. And you can see even in the corner there, Omega kind of playing with Jungle Boy's hair. There's no doubt he's a star. One thing, though, that might change this matchup, as we just seen the referee do in the opening moments, is send uh, Jurassic Express and the Good Brothers uh, outside, you know, send them away. So it's just basically a one-on-one matchup. Um, will that actually favour Jungle Boy? Because Kenny Omega, as we've seen recently, has been relying a lot on the shenanigans of outside interference. He has been, but then can they guarantee that there's not going to be a kind of hidden show from someone later on? Well, this is the problem. We had that last week, didn't we, in Impact, yeah. where we thought, oh, the good brothers aren't there, they can't make it, and the Bucks got involved. The thing is, Omega, and this is something that we've talked about, and I know you're quite a fan of as well, with a heel champion, sometimes you need to pick up victories on your own to prove that you are... A, a great champion. You don't want to be a JBL of a of a world title, do you? You know, absolutely not. No, but you know, you kind of again. I don't want to take anything away from Jungle Boy, but you need to kind of have Omega beating a huge. I know, like you know, Jungle Boy is huge in AEW, but I mean, like have Omega beating a huge wrestler on his own without any help, without any interference, without any need for anything else. Yeah, uh, and I think we've seen that if we compare it to kind of Roman Reigns's title run. Uh, get a job done. But, I mean, go back to Jungle Boy, there's no doubt, you know, the whole point of AEW w- was to build future stars, you know, and we've talked about Sammy Guerrero and Jeff, we're going to see these two guys face off in the next Dynamite, but Jungle Boy is the guy that may be underneath the radar of a lot of people, and even where he comes from, and like, kind of who his dad is and all this lot, was a bit of a surprise to some people who are finally learning about this young man. You can see he's a very impressive athlete. Absolutely, yeah, you know, he, he certainly does bring something to wrestling, and... Amongst, like, you know, all the gripes I do have for AEW, I think Jungle Boy is one of them things that I can say, well, you know, he is a shining beacon. He is someone that could 
pretty much wrestling any company. Well, this is the thing, and of course, you know, like I said, with his dad, Luke Perry, and, and what's interesting is he said that promos aren't really his thing. I mean, considering his dad was an actor, maybe it's something that he's gone away from, but of course his love has kind of never been doubted. You can see the guy's got, you know, Jungle Boy is immense talent, a young man as well. Will he have to work on his, maybe, his look? I mean, like I said, he's still quite a small stature. I know maybe it's changed now from the kind of where it was. And is the Jungle Boy character a character that is going to get him to that next level? Or will we have to maybe change it a little bit? Um, again, what else can Jungle Boy bring to his character apart from heart, guts, you know, determination, spirit, and kind of, you know, the fan wanting? It's kind of like a young Jeff Hardy when he gained The Undertaker's respect. You know, because if Kenny Omega was actually a decent wrestler, he'd raise his Jungle Boy's hands, you know, defeat or loss, and say, look, you know, well done, mate, you've done well. And I think that's an excellent point as well, because the thing is, is that we're not expecting a Jungle Boy victory, but in Kenny Omega's mind, and maybe a lot of people's mind, Jungle Boy can't even be on Omega's level in this matchup. And like you said, it's a step up to elite competition to prove that you can go with them. Not even just winning, because that will come, like you say, through time. It's just proved that you can actually compete with the best in the world. And Jungle Boy, to do this, I think it might show us that, yeah, you know what? That is the future of the company. Indeed. And honestly, it would give me a bit more respect for Kenny Omega to say, look, you know, I'm a hill. I'm going to put that aside for the minute. You absolutely impressed me during this match. You impressed the fans. You know, you kind of gave everything on the line and you deserve my respect for that. Yeah. I think, you know, that would, that's probably the best thing you can take from this match or you would be able to take from this match. No, I think without a doubt, and I think it's good that they can do that and you know, put them into, you know, Jungle Boy into position where they go, right, okay, let's see where you can get to in a couple of years. You know, and we, we like I said, with Dynamite, the problem is, is the reliance on the kind of WWE wrestlers. And these are two guys that have kind of never been in WWE, who are fighting for the top title. And it kind of makes sense. That's why I quite like Orange Cassidy as well, because it's something different that we've not seen kind of before, as opposed to a Christian versus a Kenny Omega match, which might be good. But there you go. You've got a guy who's a 20, you know, 25-year vet there. But OC, he was kind of white hot. And excuse me, but for the past few weeks, I've not really heard much. Well, for the past month or so. I've not really heard anything on Cassidy. You know, are they trying to, like, you know, give him into the limelight, take him away for a little bit so you don't get kind of overexposed? I think so, but I think the problem is, and like we see here with Jungle Boy as well, you go after you've been challenging for the top. And like you said, at the moment, Cassidy is, is butchering a blade and the bunny. That's who he's kind of feuding with. Is that a massive step down from where it was? Yes, but have they got kind of mid-card, heel, mid-level hills? that they can brought, you know, fight with. Maybe Matt Hardy, you might count him, but again, there's another guy who, you know, is in the latter part of his, his, his career. So it'd be interesting to see how they do. But there's no doubt Jungle Boy, he's just so impressive. I've never seen, he's crisp, and everything that he does is usually on point as well. For a young man to be able to do that. But wouldn't you say kind of Jungle Boy is actually someone that you would love to see in NXT? I think with the amount of talent and like, you know the time that they give him, I think Jungle Boy in NXT would be absolutely amazing. I've, my only thing with that is personality-wise, and like yeah. I said, and and the character, and he's not going to be doing five or ten minute promos, is he? You know? This is the thing of trying to get character that actually works for him. I think maybe in AEW it might favour him more because they can just do more video packages or actually kind of you know get someone in to talk, do the talking for him. Like, but again, it's still a very, very young man. There's no doubt about it. This is just at the start of his career. There's no doubt, you know. 
Talk but you could him. have him as like a Tarzan kind of character and go, me, me jungle boy, <laughs> me wrestle. But then again, when does Swinging that... Swinging into the ring on a vine. When does that exactly... They've got to be careful with the same thing with Orange Cassidy is when to become a comedy character as opposed to someone that could be taken serious yeah. in a certain moment. And I think that's what we've seen. Obviously, we laugh at Jungle Boy coming out here with like a dinosaur and stuff like this. But, you know, what can he do to kind of take it to that next level and become a serious you've, threat. You've kind of also got his light, jolly entrance theme as well, so it's... But that's added to it, you know? Like I said, Jungle Boy, a few things have been added to it, like the entrance theme. And what keeps going on? Why does Kenny Omega keep having to cross Jungle Boy's leg when he goes for a superplex? It's a, twice I've seen it happen now, and it, I don't get it. Oh, I think either Omega's working on that area there... Or he just feels with the weight it's going to help him more. Because obviously Omega doesn't usually go into many matches as the bigger man. And I think he's finding it here. I mean, you talk about the difference between different title defences. Can you get any more difference between a moose and a jungle boy in you know like <laughs> a couple of weeks? You know, like... well, no, you, you certainly can't. With jungle boy landed on his feet with a German suplex, but superkick gets caught. The second one didn't though. But a huge knee from Omega. And now we're going to see the snapdragon. And now the V-trigger, and you see Omega just does what he does. You know, people talk about, you know, with John Cena with five moves. You see the V-trigger, you see the snap uh, dragon. You know it's coming. Now looking for the one-winged angel. Well, Jungle into reverse Rana, planting Omega's head into the canvas. And now can Jungle Boy take advantage of clubbing blow from behind? Omega might be out here. No, Omega getting, his, uh, Omega getting his shoulder up at two. Two. Jungle Boy can't get frustrated. You know, you talk about um, all the stuff we talked to negative about Kenny Omega. There's no doubt that that man is tough. So he's going to take a lot to take this title away. And then you start wondering if he does lose one of the championships, will, everything, will the belt collector, you know, will it finally break up for him? Well, Omega with a ripcord knee to the jaw. We might find out. And a powerbomb rolls him into it. Another V-trigger. <laughs> And that might be it. Two. No. No, and again, Jungle Boy managing to kick out. Uh. And now it's telling a different story. Toughness. Mega getting frustrated. Even the slaps in the face. Tell him not worthy to be in the ring with me. And another V-Trigger's going to get the job done. No, Jungle Boy catches the knee, rolls through. And now he's looking for the snare trap submission. He's beating many an opponent with this. And he's got Kenny Omega in the middle of the ring. So is that the STF? Yeah, basically a version of it. He's been using it recently. Here come the Good Brothers. The people who were kicked out of ringside have come back to ringside. But again, Kaz, the elite hunter coming out to stop things with Jurassic Express. And Megalo using his weight advantage to pull Jungle Boy. And you've got to wonder if what was going on at ringside Maybe put Jungle Boy off as he tries to bring Omega back in. Omega looking for the big move to basically end it now. And just trading in the middle of the ring. I mean, there's no doubt Kenny Omega will know he's been in the fight here tonight. Is he going to be reluctant to go for the one-winged angel? Well, the thing is, he's already been reversed. So, it's all ch- risk and reward for Kenny. as another V-trigger. Jungle Boy returns with a clothesline, though. And I think the fans, you can see it rings, I start to believe, but Omega versus the suplex. Oh, brain buster suplex, that one. Two. No. No, wait a minute. Jungle Boy just getting up there. And Omega calling for one more V-trigger to finish things off. It's fucking annoying when wrestlers go to the go for the same move over and over again, isn't it? Well, he hit the V-trigger, now looking for the one-winged angel. But again, Jungle Boy reversing. Two. Roll up. No. Oh. Omega turns round, snare trap. And the submission's in. Look on this snare trap, though. I think that looks quite cool. But Omega 
Went out the frying pan into the fire. Desperately seeking. It looks like he might be passing out. And if Jungle Boy, I don't think anybody called Jungle Boy, making Omega tap, but Omega using the hair. Well, the long hair, Jungle Boy there coming back to bite him. And Omega well, is Omega, yeah, is Omega <laughs> looking to get disqualified? Does he not see confidence in himself? Well, by any means necessary. We talked about that before. Well, it's how he got the title by hitting Moxley with a foreign object. That's so exactly where it all started from. It just flattens Jungle Boy. Sends him face first into the top turnbuckle. Now Jungle Boy's laying prone on the second. Omega for V-trigger number 7,438 in the match. And now picking him up. Tiger driver. Beautiful. No. Managed to get the shoulder up. Just. Omega can't believe it. Now he's going to take advantage again for the third time. Can he get Jungle Boy for the one-winged angel? And no man gets out of this. Kenny Omega is still your AEW world champion. Jungle Boy's family. I mean, of course, they're upset he didn't win, but they've got to be proud of his effort there. Dan, what were your thoughts on Jungle Boy's efforts and the match itself? I didn't think the match was too bad. I'm not going to kind of go out on that limb and say, oh, it's the best match I've seen this year, match of the year candidate. I I definitely wouldn't say that. I did admire Jungle Boy's heart and determination. Um, I think going against a different opponent, it would have made Jungle Boy look a lot better if he was going against a Chris Jericho or John Moxley in that kind of same situation. Um, I didn't think Kenny Omega done Jungle Boy too much justice in this match. The fact that he managed to win a match seemingly kind of on his own, you know, there was a bit of outside distraction. It it kind of goes to show he might be able to do things like that in the future as well. Well, there's no doubt Omega sees... Jungle Boy's a threat because he's just going to hit him with a title belt. And then here comes Christian trying to even the odds. And Kenny getting out of harm's way. And of course, Christian Jungle Boy. So you've got an elite hunter, which is going after Omega. You've got Jungle Boy and you've got Luchasaurus. Or... Well, wait a minute. Well, Matt Hardy's family's just come from uh, ringside as well. And of course, they've been involved with uh, Christian in recent times, Matt Hardy. And we talked about the need for maybe being heels. And this might be the next step. Are we going to see another twist of fate on Christian? No, turn it round to a kill switch attempt, but the Young Bucks are in. Super kicks. And who would have thought the Young Bucks saving Matt Hardy? But that's exactly what they've done. And this unholy alliance seems to be standing to hook up by crook. Kenny Omega. What was Taz's son in this match as well? <laughs> he can make friends here. You know, you talk about the Bucks, you talk about the Matt Hardy uh, family as well. Kenny comes out on top, but there's no doubt Jungle Boy gave absolutely everything as Christian gets hit by a twist of fate. And that is it for Dynamite. Another good episode of Dynamite and Kenny Omega standing tall. Well, after Dynamite went off Saturday night, Eddie Kingston stepped into the ring to cut a promo about WWE. Speak to the live crowd. He said he was burning another bridge in reference to what he was going to say about WWE. Ladies and gentlemen, AEW cares about their fans because we are not just here to get ourselves a paycheck. We are here every week with you people, without you people, and we come out here and we bust our asses. We love professional wrestling. You saw a match between Kenny Omega and my boy and my dude Jungle Boy that you will not see on the other channel. You will not see legends who are respected on the other channel. You will not see well, you will not see people like me and my best friend Penta on the other channel. And you will not see the heart that everybody in the locker room has on the other channel. Right. So, Dan, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know you love uh, hating AEW and Eddie Kingston's just come for you, mate. So, go on. 
Well, it's. I don't want to kind of jump in because obviously I'll see who's responded next. And I actually do respect that man's words, what Bully Ray said about it. And Well, well. Bully, yeah, Bully Ray wasn't happy, but he did preface his criticism by hailing Kingston as one of the best promos in the game. And he said, Eddie just needs to shut the fuck up and stay in his lane. His lane of AEW guys speaking about AEW and flying the flag for them. And I'm completely on board. Tell me how great they are. Fly the flag for your company. Show me you wear your heart on your sleeve. You were an indie guy for the majority of your career until AEW took a chance on you. You learn to love it and everything about it. Don't take the easy way out and knock three. If Cody wants to draw a throne, I get it. If Jericho wants to say F you, I get it. But Eddie Wilde, there's no reason to say such stuff. If you go back and listen to the fans, it really didn't pop that hard when he took a jab at WWE. You didn't get the reaction you were looking for. People most likely thinking, all right, Eddie, stay away from that. There's no reason to go there. Basically, yeah, he sums up my thoughts exactly. It's like, Eddie, you've never wrestled for WWE, so why take a pop? If Cody does, you know, he knows what it's like inside there. Chris Jericho, he knows what it's like over there. But it just seems like Vince McMahon is living rent-free in every <laughs> AEW wrestler's and fan's head. It's like you don't, ever, you don't, you know, see Vince saying, right, Roman, I want you to go out there, cut a promo on your next match against Kofi, but I want you to rip the shit out of AEW wrestling. You know, they don't go out there. Vince McMahon probably doesn't care about this promo one bit. You know, all he thinks is I'm just leaving le- rent-free in all their heads. Yeah, we're out of shadow over that. Well, we move on to our Dynamite June 30th. Of course, it's Miro versus Brian Pillman. And the main event is MGF versus Sammy Guevara. The show opens with Chris Jericho making his entrance to join the commentary team tonight. And the opening match is Eddie Kingston and Pentel's LAM versus the Young Bucks. A super kick by Nick on the arena floor, though, allowed Bucks to regain the upper hand. Penta tagged back into the match and uncorked a flurry of offence that included a corkscrew sunset. The Bucks answered, scoring a serious close near fall, broken up only after a last second lunge. The Good Brothers attempted a distraction, but Brandon Cutler accidentally sprayed Matt in the eyes. Frankie Kazarian wiped the heels out and the babyface scored the win. Yeah, great moustaches from the Bucks. They uh, really are winding everybody up as much as they can with the moustaches now. But the fucking ribbons. I mean, they just didn't tidy in ring properly. And then the ref got caught up in the ribbon and then he finally pulled it out. It's sat there for ages, getting on my nerves. Uh, but there was also a match, of course, really good stuff, nice and long. But Eddie and Penta aren't the right team to take the gold from the Bucks. But they did busted uh, their guts here as well. And of course, I like Kaz's involvement. The commentary hypes up the rest of the show and Jericho was excellent on commentary for that first match. Christian Cage is backstage telling Jungle Boy how proud everyone is of him and that he can take something from this loss. He can be better than ever and someday he's going to be world champ. But tonight could be the first AEW wrestler to make it to 50 wins. So tonight, go out there and make some history. Luchasaurus rolls up with Marco Stunt and thanks Christian for having Jungle Boy's back. While he was out and dinosaurs are very loyal, so he's got Cage's back now too. Christian admits to being a quarter of a... Cosmoceratops on his mother's side and the two walk off chatting enthusiastics to break. Yeah, luckily Luchasaurus's mother is exactly the same as well. Back from commercial, we get Tony Schiavone and he has all ego Ethan Page, accompanied by Scorpio Sky in the ring, to interview him. Page says he hasn't been doing enough and his goal is to beat Darby Allen, but to exterminate Darby Allen. Nobody has tried to cripple him more than he and no matter where he throws him, what he does, where he does it, he keeps ticking. So the coffin match is meant to cripple Allen mentally. He's going to beat him in this coffin match. And when he does, every time he goes up for the coffin drop, he's going to think of him in the coffin and closing it shut on his confidence 
forever. Yeah. Ethan sounded like Kermit when he first started doing his promo. He's like, hey, 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 I'm going to beat Darby Allen. And then when he started turning it like, Ugh! and he got into it, and you looked at his eyes, it was a good promo in the end. But right at the start, he's really, really Kermit. But enter Sting when they're coughing out on stage, and Darby is in said coffin. Sting takes Scorpio out with Scorpion, Death Drop, and Allen claws at Paige's eyes. His fingernails long and polished. All he goes says, Darby knows he can't be at 100%. He's off. And maybe if he behaves, he can have the match at Fighter Fest. So people who bought tickets for Road Rage to see the coffin match are not actually going to get it now either. Our next match is Jack Evans versus Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. So this is the Battle of the Jacks. Battle of the Jacks. The former top contender withstood the offence of his opponent, fought back and turned him inside out of a massive lariat coming out of the break. Eventually, Jungle Boy put Evans away and became the first performer to reach 50 wins in AEW. Match Hardy family office made its way to the ring, only for Jurassic Express and Christian Cage to make the save and clear them out. Yeah, this was okay, but it felt like a step down for being in the title picture. And, of course, a feud with Hardy family is next. We talked about Orange Cassidy, and, of course, because of the mid-card heels, you're kind of having to go... Not against jobs as such, but you know what I'm trying to say. And then Maxwell Jacob Friedman cuts a, a promo... He talks about how he's defined Christopher Jericho as the king of AEW. You think you throw the towel and quit when you're bested, but instead he turns his own perverted Looney Tunes. This is the best he can come up with. How long exactly is he willing? Will, how low is he willing to stoop? Well, we're going to find out next week when MJF reveals his stipulations for one last match against him, and all he requests is that if he makes it through his stipulations, which he won't, is that once he beats him, he leaves him alone. On to Sammy Guevara. Fans want to see this match because they want to know what the future of AEW is. Yeah, and after their match, they're going to say Sammy is the future, but he's going to be, it's going to be clear that Max is the now. And Jericho Comics is saying he's going to accept any stipulation. Stipulation. Short of getting run over a truck as we go to a break. Well, back from commercial, and Andrade El Idolo is interviewed backstage. He says he has a great announcement, but Matt Seidel, whose name he can't remember, interrupted him. And he wants to make an example of him in a match in Miami at Road Rager. So, Andrade's first match will be next week on Dynamite. Tony Schwartz in the ring to interview Kenny Omega. And Kenny boasted about his win Saturday and claimed he had no challenges left during the era of the Dark Order. Omega scoffed at the idea of any one of them challenging him during chance of cowboy shit from the fans in reference to Hangman. Page Omega said Page doesn't have the right to hoist the title all guts to beat him and ended the promo with goodbye and goodnight. Bang! In typical cleaner fashion. Um, setting up the inevitable here. Page is the man to take the top Kenny Omega. We have known that since Page fell to Jericho two years ago and since, of course, he's lost there. But one of the things that annoyed you, Dan, was the nice chops from Kenny Omega because you've... Well, go on. <laughs> well, I sent you a picture of Kenny Omega out to the ring and he is resembling a 2005-2006 Triple H, you know, with the exact like, kind of sideburns going into the moustache kind of combo. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of pictures are like that as well. Um... Yeah, I mean, people like Ollie Anderson, of course, Harley Race have had the chops, but I think that would be more up-to-date. And Kenny Omega, the way the Bucks are doing it at the moment, they might be doing that just to have a pop. Is it doing it just to, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just doing it to do it, I think, at the moment. I might be wrong, but I think it is just to have a pop when he can. Well, back from commercial, we see a Brian Pillman Jr. promo from earlier today. He talks about how growing up he had good friends and teammates who believed in him, and Griff Garrison is like a brother to him. So when Miro laid hands on him, he made this real personal. And it's more than a title match. It's Pillman proving that Miro is nothing but a bully, 
a big Bulgarian bitch. Yeah, so good on Pillman for saying that just before his match for the TNT Championship against Miro. Uh, Like we talked about before, it may be the bravest man in AEW or the stupidest, but Miro, we talked about changing from best friend to um, God's champion. He looks really motivated. Uh, And Brian Pillman, of course, has had a lot of hype about him recently. We talked about him before. Talk about future stars. And Pillman has definitely got sank about him. What are your thoughts on Pillman just looking at him firsthand? Oh, that mullet does my head in. I mean, it's so 1980s, isn't it? It is. It's proper like he's homaging his dad. You know, flying Brian Pillman with that. Proper, oh, I wonder proper, where I wonder but, where that name came from. I didn't want to. I didn't want to assume that he was his son, <laughs> being flying Brian Pillman Junior or anything. But this is the thing, and this is what flying Brian. This is not loose cannon. This is when he first come on. You know the matches we saw in Nitro against Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, you know against Tiger Mask and all these right. kind of great stuff. This is what Pillman kind of wants to emulate because we know obviously about Pillman and, and what happened, the tragedy of the family. And this young man didn't grow up with a father, you know. But because Pillman's had such a tragic family, can you not say, you know, are you allowed to say that he's crap? Are you allowed to say that he's not kind of progressing well? Or because yes, you he's can. had tragedy, you can't say that. No, because the part of RC Blondes with Griff Gowson. Now, Gowson's a guy that I'm not 100% sure of, and I think Pillman is the one that's going to break off. But obviously, I don't want to do a WWE and just break up every fucking tag team just for no reason. But I think when you look at him, I think the selling's quite well. And what I've seen of him as well, you know, you kind of get that feeling. A bit like Jungle Boy. And I think AEW have got a few talented young guys that can really make a break. And I think on the other end of the scale, you've got someone like Miro, who we talked about uh, on the last Dynamite, a couple of Dynamites ago, uh, being in the same position he was when he was kind of undefeatable in WWE at this moment, you know? Well, could you argue that Miro has had more exposure to American wrestling fans than Omega has? You definitely would, yeah. Without in, a doubt, in, like, yeah. Obviously, pre-AEW. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. You know, this is the thing with Omega of... Uh, Maybe not a lot of people knowing what he can Miro, exactly. The whole point of him being here, not just because he's a great athlete in that, because people go, oh, that's Rusev. And that's the yeah. whole point of you trying to watch it. And now this is what we're talking about with Miro. Where can he go from here? He's got a challenge with Pillman. And, and a bit like a Mega and Jungle Boy matchup, it's a guy who Miro thinks he's going to kill him. So this is about Pillman managing to step up to the challenge. Not necessarily, like to say, winning, but you know, just proving that he belongs. Well, do you think they've already kind of like done this really recently, like a challenger stepping up to prove he belongs there? I mean, uh, I think or they... is it like, oh yeah, well we're doing it with the world championship. We might as well do it with a TNT championship as well. I on. think the TNT title. I mean, because it, you know, like I said it, they're more of a tag team. You know, Pillman will go back to being a blondes. He's annoyed Miro's taking out his tag team partner, so I kind of there is a story to it as well. Is there similarities? I, I think definitely. But I think it's good to see young stars. I think we've moaned and pissed about it for so long, especially with WWE not building new stars. And now we're seeing, you know, so we've seen Jungle Boy. Uh, the main event is, of course, like we said, MJF and Sammy Guevara, which are young guys. And, of course, Pillman involved here. So it is good to see. And yeah, we know they're probably not going to come out on top. But it's nice to be different. Uh, and I think this is what we've seen with AEW, when it works well. You know, you can bash it all you want, but this is it when it's actually working quite well at this moment in time, you know? Well, if you're going to do it, at least give Brian Pillman the victory. We'll see if he can come out on top here. You know, he's fighting from the, the bottom, so to speak. But the springboard to a clothesline takes Miro down, but I think it's only a one count. One. Uh, it's, I think the one surprise, especially with Miro, even in AEW, where it is, or just how big that guy is. I think we knew how, you know, as in body weight, size. We knew he was a big guy in uh, 
WWE, but honestly... I think it's because he's so broad <laughs> yeah. on his shoulders. Like He's not up there with the rhinos. You know, no, he's, yeah, he's nowhere yeah, yeah. near a rhino status, but he has he has got broad shoulders, so that's for sure. Well, Miro's going for that Matsuka kick, and Pillman managed to block it, hit three super kicks. Can he hit the fourth and maybe finish things off now? No, he gets caught, and his head gets knocked off, and Miro's eyes... Oh, God, he's got the crazy eyes now. This is crazy not gonna, This is not going to be good for Pillman. The Matchka kick, or the best man kick. Or the God's Champion's boot. <laughs> Maybe yeah. what they're going to call it as he's building up momentum, and I think we know what's going to happen now. Do you think Miro slash Rusev will ever be able to build up to his Rusev Day kind of amount of hype? I think this is what we're seeing now. I think as he calls game over, and he's got Pillman, you think about this matchup what we just talked about. And how dominant Miro's basically been in this matchup. How dominant he's been since being TNT champion. I mean, all credit to Pillman. Pillman's out. And as a proper guy as well, didn't tap, passed out. So credit to him. But that is Miro dominant. And like you said, they're getting to a point now where they're building them up. And let's, let's hope they don't drop the ball like WWE done. Uh, what were your thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, I thought, you know, it was obviously a very dominating uh, display by Miro. Um Pillman certainly doesn't get the champ's respect after this match, that's for sure. Um, it, it was a complete polarising kind of having uh, a future star, you know, someone like Junior, kind of going against Miro. This is more of a squash match as opposed to Kenny Omega's kind of slightly drawn-out match with Jungle Boy. Yeah, it I still think... wasn't bad, though. Uh, well, without a doubt, you know, like I said, he's given us something a little bit different. Well, the Dark Order backstage with Hangman Adam Page storms in. He yells at them for making a stupid challenge, but... Colt Cabana tells him he's just afraid of failure. And if he needs to know, he can do this. They give him a further pep talk and tell him they believe him. As they all walk by him, they all say, you can do this. You know you can do this. And I step up. And I just thought it was lovely. And it's saying that, you know, Paige... And that even look, when they walked off and Paige just looked at him with that bit of the drink in his hand of like, yeah, maybe I can do this. You know? And, and that's what we want. We get back from commercial and we get footage of Team Taz backstage. Taz admits... That things are in disarray with Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. Not here. It's been toxic for Team Taz. Hook says he's tired of this and Hobb says someone needs to figure this out. On July 14th, Cage will defend the FTW Championship against the medically cleared Starks. Well, up next, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD and Rebby versus Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero. The top-ranked women's competitor and a manager works over Rebel until a hot tag to Baker put the opposition in the driver's seat. Despite a late attempt by Rose to finish off the champion, the ill-timed tag to Guerrero through Crossy as Baker applied the lockjaw to the loud mouth manager and scored the submission. After the match, Rose attacked Baker and drove her through a table full of ring eight from four tall. Um, Rebel suffered a separated kneecap in this matchup, which sounds terrible. But why have Vicky wrestle? You know, all this thing about, oh, let's, you know, future stars and all this kind of stuff. And then Vicky Guerrero there. Why couldn't she just been a manager for any other woman wrestler to take her spot in that matchup? Indeed, yes. But, you know, this is AW, and as it's been said before, they don't really care about their women's wrestling. Well, this was okay, but Rose is just not a threat. Well, commentary hypes up the next couple of weeks' worth of matches for us. Jake Hager, Ortiz and Santana cut a promo from a stairwell. They point out that every time they fight, the pinnacle gets their asses whipped. Hager points out that Wardlow took his loss well, and then his buddies had to jump in, and MJF laid Dean Malenko out. Santana says when they finally meet head-to-head, they better bring all the fight they can, and since Tully Blanchard is going to be in FTR's corner... 
Best believe Conan will be in theirs. Oh, I can't wait. So the main event now, Maxwell, Jacob, Sammy Guevara. Um, luckily, obviously, because I'm watching a fight, uh, they, with the ad breaks, we managed to watch it. And MJF did a proper fucking hill pro. I mean, a proper, he was calling them all pieces of shit, giving them the finger and trying to roll up the audience before Guevara made his entrance. And as the match starts, you can see MJF getting out of harm's way. Um, Dan... I know you're AEW's harshest critic, but is this the future of the company right here? I don't like MJF, and it's not, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to like him, he's a hill. I just think the bloke is a dick. <laughs> and not for the sake of being a dick in a hill, but I just think the bloke generally is a dick. Sammy Guevara, though, I wasn't keen on him to start off with. He's starting to kind of soften on me. I think he's got a bit of something. I'm not sure what it is, but he's... Fucking awful on the mic and can't say a word together. String two words together. No, like he... I can, but... <laughs> yeah, you know. you're smooth. But he's had uh, t- only two matches this year. He won um, the st- Stadium Stampede for the Inner Circle, so it'd be interesting to see what Guerrero does. There's no doubt he's a good talent, but when he's not wrestling that consistent. For MGF, my only issue with him, I like him, but you know when the hype train... And you know when a wrestler is just too hyped? I think this is happening. They to want him. you to like him. But pants. this is the thing. But people love you that, oh, well, he's a heel in your eyes. But the thing is, if that, if, so explain. So if you're on a crowd and MJF makes his entrance, what do you do? Nothing. Right, okay. I, so, I enzo it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you need to explain. Because people go, well, when you're there. In the I crowd, don't boo him. I nothing him. Yeah, you nothing him. And that's yeah. what, no reaction is worse than, is worse than any reaction negative or positive about doubt. I think with MJF, it's like Velveteen Dream. For, for years, people, all oh, the years, you know, we're going, look at this guy. He's going to be a future star. You can't do anything with him. You need to kind of build it up. And is the pinnacle, are they going to be remembered in 10 years' time? Or is this just a story for now? This is a question. Is it just a vehicle to carry MJF to a certain point? And what is the end goal? Is it MJF being champion? Well, I think this kind of, all this is set up is to kind of further extend a feud between MJF and Jericho. They've had him attempt to join the inner circle, disband it from the inside. That didn't work. They've kind of owned stable to go against Jericho and the inner circle. And then once that's over, what's going to happen with MJF? Are they still going to be knocking around with Spears and FTR? Are they still going to be doing what they're doing? Or is it, you know, are they going to go against the Hardy? No, but if they do like an undisputed era thing, right? So the pinnacle have to win all the gold. Yeah. So at the moment, the tag titles on the Young Bucks, that's a Hill tag team, so you can't go to the Revival from there, can you? No. Unless you turn the face. Uh, Sean Spears is in the level of... Uh, he would get murdered by Miro if it was for the TNT Championship like that as well. And the FTR Championship if we're going on the... That's what you say, Brian Cage and stuff like that as well. And then you've got the World Championship, which we think is Page versus Omega. So you're going to have Page win and then what? Drop the title, what? The next pay-per-view to MJF. So after all this two-year build-up, it's a three-month title rain you know so and then the question you know kind of what they do from there if jericho beats omega it doesn't make any sense either so like so we're getting this match up but already as we've seen early on the show they're setting up mjf versus jericho again with massive stipulations stipulations indeed and is that something you want to see again well this is the thing I, they're repeating matches and, and again we're getting like we said the, the t- tag titles on the line next week exactly the same as the match from this week and AEW say oh you know we don't repeat matches how many times are we going to see MGF versus Jericho how many times are we going to see 
Well, we see Inner Circle versus the Elite. That kind of finished at Stadium Stampede, didn't it? Yeah. We kind of hoped this would have finished at Stadium Stampede, but it didn't. They've obviously like got, right, what's next for MJF? Um, nothing. Let's put him in another feud. Yeah, let's, let's go for something different. Let's have him against Jericho. Yeah, well, this is the thing. And, and when we've seen everything that's happened... What are they fighting over if it's just like personal animosity? But then you've got four other guys in the group fighting over just two guys well, not liking fighting, each other. Yeah, they're fighting other people's feuds yeah, now. It's well, like me hating someone because you don't like them. The, the, the thing is, right, so go back to like DX versus The Nation, right? So you had Rock and Triple H who were feuding over like the Intercontinental title, but at the same time you had D-Lo and X-Pac over like the European Championship. You had the kind of, you know, the, the tag teams, Godfather and Mark Henry against the Outlaws, whoever it was. Yeah. So it kind of made sense in that way. It wasn't just fighting it because I don't like this guy, so we're fighting them over it. It's the whole crew... I've got to have problems with each other. Yeah, you you've know. got something we want. Yeah, this is and the no, thing, yeah. no one has any team wants. Well, just to end them. But then again, if any, you know, like I said already, they're going. MJF wants to be left alone by Chris Jericho. So you think? So what they're going to do then? Just leave that alone for three months, and then you know Jericho go on this fuzzy tour and then come back and pick it up again. You know, like <laughs> this, this is the thing. There's no doubt they're great talent. You know, but it'd be interesting to see what they do. Dynamite has got a lot better as well. Recent, I mean, the, the past couple of months haven't been great, and now you're finally picking up a little bit of steam. There's no doubt that attendance has helped. And of course, this one's the last one in Daly's place, so from next week for Dynamite, they'll be touring again. So let's hope that can improve it as well. I still think with Dynamite, you know, and this is this is also stretches as far as WWE. Like, you know, you are still seeing quite a lot of the same thing, quite a lot. Yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah. you're not seeing much difference now. This, and this is the thing, that's what I've enjoyed. We've seen different guys, you know, take the opportunities and this one as well. And, you know, in a kind of way you can talent scout and go, right, what's going to have a look at what we're going to have a look at? And it's, again, a lovely Spanish fly by Guerrero. There's no doubt the guy's talented. He just needs the consistency now to kind of battle this down. We've shown the fire that he's got. Um, JR got in a little bit of trouble as well in commentary, calling it WWE Dynamite. Um, and we're on AW Smackdown later. <laughs> but the thing is, though... But J- JR did work for WWE for, for decades. So is it that much a surprise well, every I'm now and again? I'm surprised, you know, a different bearing company. For the first two <laughs> years, you're going to be like, hello, Zen Bearing. Oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? It is true. Like, you got, and he's, he's not getting any younger, to be no. fair to JR. But Guevara now looking to uh, fly again. That was quite an impressive corkscrew uh, tope suicida over the top rope. There's no doubt Guevara's got fire and... Uh, He's got an opportunity, especially if you can get the fans behind him, which he... Maybe he's looking to finish things off now. Jericho getting extra excited on commentary. Well, that was beautiful. As he goes for the move, and we see a springboard kind of Canadian Destroyer. But again, if we're going to be Mr. Negative in this one, a Canadian Destroyer is kind of one of the most devastating moves ever. And now they're turning it into kind of transitional move, you know? Well, have you seen what they've done to the fucking superkick? <laughs> yeah, I know. For I know. fuck's sake. They've killed it. But nice by Sammy and MJF in all sorts of trouble. But MJF, like, we talk about Omega and Roman Reigns. I mean, MJF is a classic heel. I mean, he has taken a leaf out of the Miz's book. I don't think there's any doubt about it. That's probably why I don't like him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's nothing wrong. Miz is the best heel in the business. I don't care what... I could argue that all day with anybody. You know, like, you you just want to see the guy beaten up and you can lose and next week he can regain his heat again. That's what makes a great heel. Not the fact of, like, you know, uh, picking up victories wherever it is in a certain way. It's been able to lose and then say, do you know what? It didn't really matter. Yeah. 
Well, that's how a hill does it. Like. That's how a hill should work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Always get the heat back towards the end. I don't care you know? that I lost. I'm here to lose. We'll just attack him after the bell or yeah. something like that. You know what I mean? And MGF now looking to uh, wake himself up a little bit with the water. And you can see the red marks on his uh, chest from the chops from Sammy. And the steel chair is not legal, though. And done by MJF. A strategically placed chair. Because everyone holds a chair in front of their face, don't they? It's like whenever I'm carrying a chair around my house, I carry it right on my face. (laughs) Right on your face. And now Sammy. They don't help themselves sometimes, do you, do they? But MJF's in the crowd. Sammy Guevara's going up top. What are they going to do now? They've got fans in attendance, don't forget. Oh, and Sammy there. That was impressive, but I think a springboard crossbodying someone sat on the uh, <laughs> apron there would be a lot more impressive. Well, he takes him out, risking it all with Sammy Guevara. He did look like he was thrown out of a moving auto vehicle. What has actually? What has MJF actually done in this? Taking a hill should. That's that's what he should do. It's all about feeding the baby faces comeback as well, isn't it? It's how many I'm times fucking you, ribbons? You get I'm fucking ribbons. Don't start being ribbons. There's one thing about a good hill is how many times they can get up and down. As Guevara now has got this match-up. Oh, he's seemingly got it in the bag. MJF looks out of it. And Sammy may be going up 30, as he loves. He can do a lot of things on top. But he can't do it quickly, because MJF gets up and crutches him on the top rope. No, there we go, MJF with his ring awareness. Obviously, this man's only 24 years, 25 years old. But veteran-like in there, now he's got Sammy on his shoulders... No, hang on. He's got him in a tombstone position. Off the second rope. Oh. Second rope pile driver. Well, the second rope tombstone gets the job done. No. Well, there we go. It was all about a tombstone pile driver for the second. Well, obviously, the Untaker's not joining AEW anytime soon, I guess. So they can. If you're going to do a fucking move that's <laughs> stupidly fucking dangerous and don't have it at a fucking match, why are you doing that fucking move in the match? Mate, DDT used to be finisher back in the day, didn't it? So do you see how we have we are playing with fire, trying to find St. Els? And now, now a pile driver or a tombstone is now not a finisher move. And you're probably going to finish it with, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a side a roll slam. Up. Yeah, a roll up, <laughs> a roll up yeah. An inside cradle gets the victory there for MJF after Guevara kicks out. Uh, super tombstone pile driver. Well, MJF now holding the knee. Do you think he's in serious trouble? Or do you think he's uh, maybe playing a few games with the referee? I don't really care. I think the bloke's <laughs> a fucking idiot. Well, he is a bit idiot. He's a bit idiotic, a bit stupid to risk it and have the weight come down on the knee on Sammy off the second. And especially if you can't pick him up. Looks like each man, no, dead weight there. So what's he done, actually? Fuck the ending of this. No, he, I, think he's, I think he's just selling at the moment. Fabe. Yeah, I think he's selling. Mate, he's just doing a good job of that. It looks like he's really hurt, though. And Jeff, old limp along. Oh, yeah, no, that's obviously so. One-legged man, and there we go, inside cradle! No! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, no. If that would have actually got the victory, I would have walked out. <laughs> well, who would have thought that could have got the job done? Both best. And you would say maybe Guevara, if he can get to his feet, will be in a better position... The MJF, good strategy there, just taking the back of the knee out. I think it's MJF's face. He's got the look of someone that you just think he's such an irritating prick. Well, there's no doubt about it. Now, looking for the heat seeker, finishing Sammy off. No, Guevara chucks him into the ring, causing him to land awkwardly on his knee. Springboard sunset flip. Well, using the ropes, but no, Sammy managing to turn the pin over. MJF just managed to get up, and Sammy works that leg. Kick to the jaw. Picking him up and then like a torture rack into a knee to the face. 
But MJF, just too close to them rope. Oh, yeah. He kind of uh, got himself out of his pinning attempt. <laughs> Talk about being folded up like an accordion. Probably yeah, why don't you out. sit there not believing it? Why don't you capitalise on it? And Guevara now. Like you said, Dan needs to strike while the iron's hot. But again, we forget maybe about Sammy's inexperience. He's, he's taunting, he's talking to the crowd, not getting the job done. If you do the throat cut and it's not successful, you don't do the throat cut again. <laughs> well, he's going up. But he's taking his three-ass time last time, MGF. Managed to stop him, and this time Sammy, MJF, pleading with Sammy not to hit this move. Because MJF knows it'll all be over if Sammy hits this move that's devastating. On 6.30, right onto MJF. Oh, he hit his head and shoulder. No, and MJF. MJF still gets the shoulder up. <laughs> well, he's still got that. That got the job done at Stadium Stampede. I think this match is really too laggy. Like oh. it's, it's like it's slow in the wrong places. Yeah, but then again, like I said, it might be an experience with them. You know what I mean? Just try and sell it as uh, Sean Spears comes out and Jericho off commentary to even the numbers. And he gets uh, beat from low. Hangs Jericho up over the barricade. And what about that for Sammy the man who put Jericho in the inner, uh, put Sammy in the inner circle, get beaten up now. What was I saying? This is what you're going to get. Oh, my God. Foes Jericho must have fallen at least seven feet. At least seven and a half foot. <laughs> Referee checking on them. Can't see the chairman. And a chair shot to the head. You hate to see it. Oh, he almost like he got off on that, did uh, Sean Spears. Wardlow's there happy after throwing Jericho. Must have been at least to his death. Because I don't think Jericho's ever going to recover from that five and a half foot fall. And then MJF with his shoulder over the top. And gets the victory. MJF beats Sammy. Uh, we talked about the match lagging in places. The hill gets a win, but I mean, this was Sammy dominating the majority of. This was a classic face and hill. It was enjoying watching Sammy dominating. I think MJF is just an awful wrestler, character, person. Everything I don't like about him, um, and that's not because he's a hill. It's because I just genuinely don't like him. I don't even like his fucking face and his stupid fucking mustacheless beard that he fucking grows with his chubby fucking cheeks and his squinty fucking eyes. Well, He's just an irritating prick. He picks up the victory here. And call him what you like, but you must call him the winner of this matchup. As Wardlow and Spears pick him up. And like I said, Guevara gave everything that he could. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough in this one. And of course, the pinnacle in the inner circle feud will continue. And then uh, right at the end of Dynamite as well, we get a video just showing uh, their time in Daly's place, which is really, really beautifully done as well but that is it for aew dynamite we've had five episodes here so dan overall what are your thoughts on aew it's not been bad i know we you may moan but it's not been bad past five five weeks i think throughout a majority of it my gripes still seem the same you know not enough time for the women's wrestlers too much focus on some wrestlers as over others and you know, push a certain few wrestlers that really don't deserve it. Right, well, that is it for Dynamite. And Dan, we're thinking we're going to have you on standby, all right? Because at the moment, we're scheduled for the Ultimate One for um, Fight of the Fallen and, of course, uh, Road Rager. If that falls through, I know you'll step up to the mark. Uh, you will be back with us, of course, 
for the um, well, we're going to have a very special. We're going to have a double header weekend where we're going to bring you Impact Anniversary and then Raw and SmackDown. Yes, Dan is coming back to WWE before Money in the Bank. But that is it for today. We're across all social media: Twitter at the Double Podcast. I'm at the Double Jr. Dan. I'm at. I'm at WNR Dan. Don't you forget it. You've got one job. Uh, are you the <laughs> WNR or are you just WNRJR? I'm WNRJR now, but I always say the WNRJR. Uh, a bit like the WNR podcast. A lot of people have said, is it WNR podcast or the WNR? Type it, you'll find it out. Because we are the WNR on Facebook and Instagram. Across the Google platform, send us an email, the WNR podcast at gmail.com and YouTube and WNR podcast with all the latest clips and podcasts. got the same time on YouTube as do SoundCloud. On your phone. Also Spotify and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, break and review there. So that is it. Like I said, next time Dan is with us will be a huge weekend. The next episode for the WNR will be NXT Update with Monty. But until then, I have been Jay's Vernon and I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye.